welcome to our podcast. This is uh, co-hosted between uh, Far Isle Pilot and me. And uh, we do this every Thursday. Uh, usually we start at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, uh, we do a lot of, uh, of talk at first to mention our impressions, uh, speculations, and talk about the simulator. We also include a lot of different topics, including hardware and software. So we cover a lot of different topics. And uh, we love when you guys also participate in the voice chat and in the podcast text. So feel free to uh, to join in. Far Isle. So, how's it going? What did you think of the release? Because we have had a new simulator now for a few days. Uh, we had time to download it and uh, fly in a few places. What are your first thoughts? Um, I love it. It's beautiful. Uh, I finally got to go over my... Uh, my own area and um it's funny I, the, the dynamics are a little bit different so i found myself going too fast and i'm like no no no, slow down slow down i'm trying to go over my exactly where i live but i'm like oh there's a supermarket and there's a doctor's office and there's a gas station and there's the cvs and i'm like this is unbelievable but it took me a little while <laughs> a little while to slow down and try to really take a look at where but it looks fantastic i'm in a photogrammetry area so obviously I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful. Um, and it just looks great. I caught myself looking at it and forgetting to fly. I went in the external view and I'm just like, wow, look, I, I loved it. What did, what did you think? How, how, uh, how was your first impression? My first impression was actually, um, well, of course, like everyone, you know, you go to the area that you recognize the most, which is your house. So I took off from, uh, my local airport and went straight there. Um, I was really impressed because, well, it is very close to reality. But there is, uh, well, there's a few details that are not there. And sometimes, you know, well, that there's a big visual bug or uh, sometimes you do see a thing or two that really tell you it's it's not there yet and it's getting close. I was still amazed by how well this was done. I flew a bit around the places that I know a lot and uh, I could recognize everything. And part of that was me going to the Alps in France. First of all, it's a beautiful place in real life. And so I wanted to figure out, you know, what are the things that we can see with the simulator? We've already had a few YouTubers before who have been around the Alps uh, and have figured out a bit, you know, what this is what the mountains would look like. And um, so I did take a look at that, but I didn't get that, that same thing when I went there myself. Uh, and I think there's a lot of things that got fixed uh, with the terrain generation. So that was already a good plus for me. Um, but when I went there, I could see the mountains and I could actually recognize them and name them as I went through. And uh, that was on its own already very good because you can see the roads, you can see the trees. The trees are accurate to where they're supposed to be. Um, and you have all the mountains. So you can figure out where you are very quickly. Um, and I think in there, the, the biggest challenge is more figuring out how to fly your plane because uh, those mountains are pretty big. Uh, so trying not to crash was one of the biggest challenges while looking around. Uh, yeah. You know, you're almost distracted by your, your scenery. That's oh, that's sure. really amazing. So when you're distracted like this, it really means they've, they've, uh, they've done a really good job with it. That's my first take on it. I was in the Cessna and I didn't realize I'm going 140 knots. And I'm like, everything's going by so quick. I'm a... I'm I was trying to control it and I'm like, I don't remember going this fast in, in FSX, what's going on? And maybe it's a more high powered version. Obviously the dynamics are gonna be a lot better. But um yeah, it's uh, there's so many places I have yet to go. I've had to work, unfortunately. And my work has kind of kept me from having like a 
like this weekend is going to be different. I'm going to have like a five or six hour, leave me alone, sign on the door, don't disturb me, and just really kind of go places. And I did try the landing challenge. I yeah, the uh, Chevelle one. Yeah, <laughs> I've had nine hundred ninety-two thousand. I've only done it like maybe eight times. The first four times, disaster. I mean, crash to the left, crash to the right, crash right at the threshold, crash directly nose down onto the runway. And then all of a sudden I started getting getting a little bit. I, I'm waiting for my, um, I got a, a track IR kind of thing coming from the UK, but it'll be a little bit. So I'm trying to get used to the uh, hat switch on my yoke. So I think being able to see properly and more intuitively will make it uh, a lot easier, at least for me. I have to agree with this, yeah. Because, well, first of all, we have to say that the the keybinds themselves are not the same. There is some nope. stuff that comes from FSX, but there is a lot to get used to. And um, not just that, but they are very different, right? You do have a space bar, suddenly you're bumped up a little bit. So that is different in a good way because you get these little extra things that, well, in FSX, you'd have to do shift enter and kind of push yourself up slowly and, you know, shift uh, backspace to go down. Uh, so it was it was more of a, um, a permanent solution than a temporary one. So there's all these little key binds that once you get used to suddenly start feeling a little more uh, in your element. Um, and of course, it's a learning curve, right? With every new simulator, it's not, well, you jump in and that's it, you're all familiar. So right. uh, you kind of have to learn everything again, uh, which is already part of the excitement of, uh, of everything you buy, right? Something new that you get. Uh, so that's already number that's number one for me. Um, and just the keybinds themselves, once you get used to it, I feel more comfortable. But I would say still, if you can get a Trek IR, it would make a much better experience because then I you don't so. necessarily need to go on that keyboard every time and, and look down and... You know, and do your keyboard. Yeah, that, yeah, kind of. There's a couple of the of the key bindings that are a bit odd, like the control alt. And mine did not work if you use the keypad one. So I kind of had to take both of my hands off of the um off of the yoke to try to reach over and 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 get these. I'm I'm sure you're gonna sign anything you want. So what I'm curious about is, I wonder if somebody. Uh, I don't know how you could import it. How do you think you could import, let's say somebody set up key bindings that were like what they're familiar with. Let's say they're familiar with X-Plane and they want it to, they want their keyboard to be laid out like X-Plane despite it's this new SIM. Is there a way to basically program all those things and you can copy it into a configuration or some way that you could, lack a better term, download, you know, FSX legacy keyboard commands and you just download it and it's in there for you? Uh, I have no idea if that's possible. Well, two things I'd say about that. Uh, the first one being uh, it might not be intercompatible. You might not necessarily have the same features uh, going right. forward. So that would be a bit of a of an issue there. Um, the second one is both an experience and what I kind of look through in, in the files. Um, I'm a Blender user, so 3D modeling. They have this really good thing where you can you have a new Blender. Blender 2.8 came out. Uh, and when that came out, you had this option that would allow you to uh, to get the older keyboard, the, the 2.79 versions and so on and so on. So that was a very useful feature. You could choose the old one or the new one. Um, that would be something that would have been nice from a Sobo to, to have, and uh, that would have helped. 
the second thing is once you look into the the folders and the file system of the simulator you see files that are uh, the profiles for the yokes and the sticks so if there's a profile for those I would start thinking you know maybe you might want to use uh, the same method to export the keyboard and all that stuff uh, I don't know if you can go find uh, the file for the keyboard but they might have an option for this and might put one later. Uh, I'd have to look more into this to, to really see if it's a possible thing, but that would be great. If you can just yeah, share we'll... and say, hey guys, I just bought this uh, numpad from Amazon. Um, that little portable thing, you just have the numpad, you plug it in and then you bind uh, whatever keys you want to whatever thing. That would be amazing. I hope it, uh, I mean, I haven't had a chance to really, really work with it. I'm, I'm sure I did with the old one. What whatever makes you comfortable. I'm gonna buy a new keyboard as well. Getting old, I need a keyboard I can see, so I'm gonna get a backlit uh, keyboard. Make it easier when you're flying at night and you have the have the lights off. I'm like, dude, I can't see this keyboard for anything. Or get a headlamp. That look ridiculous. <laughs> Somebody walking in the room go, what the hell are you doing? Like you look like a, a miner, a coal miner there with a hat with the thing on. Um. But I mean, the simulator itself was a, a pretty big thing with discovering, you know, just the whole world. It's it's a whole new experience knowing, you know, the past has been a lot with the IFR, uh, your virtual cockpit, and even just your panels, which in a sense is to have that bit of nostalgia from. There's no more panels now in the simulator, so it kind of feels weird not having a Shift 1 or Shift 5 and having your different resources show up. So uh, it kind of relates back, you know, Track IR helps a lot for that. But um, it also means that now you can discover everything, right? And that kind of changes the way the simulator has been in the past. Um, before it's always been, you know, well, you fly from, from point to point, you're not going to be, you know, moving a lot. So you're just going to see the things that are in front of you. It's just a world. It's a lot of auto-generation. It's not necessarily amazing. Now... Right you're changing the dynamics of how you fly in a simulator. Now you're going to go and discover the world. You're going to start going to places where usually you would not go. found myself going in this little cycle where I would always kind of follow the same areas and, and kind of be in the same country or use the same lines and go between the same cities. That is not the same anymore. Now I find myself like, whoa, I actually can't go anywhere. I know you could do that in FSX, but it's not the same you thing. Could no, because literally I've said it a couple of podcasts in a row. I'll say it again. I used to follow the coasts because a little bit the coasts were kind of accurate enough that if I looked at a map and I looked down at what I was seeing, I'm like, okay, this is the part of California. I'm I'm near, you know, Crescent City because it has a it has like a, a bit of a headland that sticks out just south of um the border of Oregon. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that. I kind of know where I am without. You know, another thing I used to do that I don't have any idea if it's if it's in the new sim or not. I think it's Shift Z or Z by itself. I think it's Shift Z. You used to be able to tap that, and it would put like your lat latitude longitude across the top left of your screen. If you did it again, I think it would switch to your FPS. And if you yeah. did it a third time, it showed both. I tried to tap Shift Z to see if it would show my latitude longitude because back in the day i used to try to do old school i would get out a map literally and where i was flying i would just kind of watch 
the way I was flying and look at whatever the latitude longitude was to know as I'm flying over the ocean, going in the right direction, have I wandered and now I'm back on, but I used to do it that way. And then when I would get close to land, I could sort of recognize it. But if you're flying from California to New York, it was really difficult because it wasn't, the fidelity wasn't enough and the accuracy wasn't enough that you could really navigate. Sometimes you could do it by roads a little bit, but it's nothing like now. Now it's, you literally could follow, I don't know what, Highway 10 from Jacksonville all the way to California. So, or I-95, you could follow it from down by me, Miami. You can go all the way up to Maine, literally just following it. And yeah. it's going to basically be there. So, yeah, Definitely. the whole world is different now, for sure. Well, Exciting. that's the thing, right? Now you can just go explore anywhere. So that's that's a really good thing. Um, and a lot of people are going to enjoy that, just discovering new places where you haven't been before. And you see all these new uh, sceneries. And, well, that's a big plus for the simulator. But you can do this with other people. And we can kind of reference this back to the FSX with the, the smooth multiplayer that now you can get. Uh, that's just extraordinary, you know. You just—it's so smooth. You don't have any issues with with lag uh, or jiggeriness. It just does its job very well. So you can already fly, and you can do it with people, uh, which I find in its own is is very entertaining. You know, you can just go to someone and say, "Hey, you guys, oh, yeah. let's, let's go, uh, let's go see this country. Let's go see this area." Um, oh, you guys remember, you know, if you were friends or things where you or family where you moved uh, or you've just traveled and you can go back to those places and recognize. So that's, that's a great thing. Um, yep. And then now the thing that's very interesting. I love about it again is on top of this, you have a full weather system. Um, and that's the way, you know, again, the dynamics have changed. It's not just a flight point to point. You can just enjoy the weather in its own, right? That's adding a new level of experience that was not available or possible before. Um, and I know there's a lot of potential that developers have yet to add to make it even more immersive later. Uh, and it's that that key element of weather. Weather does really impact your plane now and, and in different ways. So I'm sure there's going to be more work on how you know they can integrate this. And the better it is, the more of an experience we can get. I just love this thing. You know, you can oh, yeah. have a weather. You suddenly you have your icing. Like, oh, I forgot to put the icing on. It's gonna actually for for pilots. You know, the the real world pilots, uh, the ones that are learning or the ones that are new this stuff. That's a refresher, I guess. After the COVID, if I don't know if they if they didn't fly, then it's a refresher. You know, don't forget your the icing. It's, it's just it's little strangely, things like this. Uh, it's a strangely perfect time for this to come out considering there's so many people that you know we can't travel we can't go gosh there's so much there's so many impressions that i had there's a uh there's a few places that i'm uh, we'll talk about later of course where people are going to make be making requests and people are planning to fly around the world they're planning on you know doing various trips and things and for the most part a lot of a lot of the airstrips and runways that are necessary to make certain kind of flights seem to be there. There's a couple of them that aren't, and I'm sure that um, people will add them. But for me, which I've never done, I've never done an add-on of any kind. I've never really messed with the SDK because I didn't really think it would have the ability. But I'm actually a little bit interested. Hopefully somebody will maybe do a, a tutorial on how to maybe add basic things to an airport or to add an airstrip where you really need one or where there is one in real life. And uh, that's kind of how exciting this whole thing is, is that 
it's inspiring people to do all kinds of things, not just the payware crowd, but actually, you know, you and I and and anybody. So if maybe we could talk a little bit about the possibilities of what can be done and who can do them and uh, how that how that can come about, because that's really going to open up the whole world. And I think, you know, this, it's a great it's a great possibility anyway. Think, thinking about it, you know, it's it's not just having people work around and just play with the SDK. Let's actually go over the SDK, actually. Um, it's, it's a bit of a... Okay, so, you know, first thing you do, you download the sim. Oh, of course, you're going to go for a flight. But after a little bit, you start looking, okay, where's the SDK? Oh, you find it. You have to go into developer settings and just turn that on. And then you have your little... Um, top bar, you go and help, and boom, you have it, you can download it. And in there, what's great about this is boom, you just download one thing, and it's done. You have it all. And, and then you have all the documentation, you start going through, and like, oh, okay, that's interesting. There's certain things that are there, but there's not much, right? The, the SDK is, I would say, incomplete at this point, which, which is fine, right? The, the game just came out. Um, I was expecting maybe a little more, on that sense because well can you really create a plane and everything out of this now i can't say much i'm, I'm not a professional developer um, i do not have much experience in that field uh, so i can't speak for the other people um, but i felt it was a little lacking um, and i was kind of expecting a little more to be there so that you know people could straight jump in and really develop what they could um, and so there were sections of course of the documentation that were uh, missing, but at least they had parts that were there and those parts actually told you about the different logics that would be in there um, Which is very interesting. You have a little file system now uh, a little sandbox where you can have your just your add-on Right there that way. It's kind of funny how they make this little thing, right? So there's all this different logic. So We're looking at least if it's not complete. We at least can get the logic out of it. So it's kind of a Okay compromise even if it's not there yet, and I can't really get absolutely everything out of it, at least it's a really good beginning, and I can get something started. I can understand the logic. I can start playing around with uh, with the the things that they gave us. Right there, they gave us some examples that we can play with. Uh, you can open up a few projects and uh, kind of look what's inside. Right, uh, and I kind of I, I love that open thing. Right, it's 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 that openness of it is is allowing people to already go and because everyone has the SDK, uh, more people will be able to play with it and hopefully we'll have more people they'll think, hey, that, you know what, that's cool. Let's develop some stuff with it. Uh, I, I did see a lot of, uh, of activity on that side. Uh, yeah. So I think the SDK can move, but, in, and I'm gonna move to this because I, I know you do have an opinion on this, uh, but it seems like it was not used for Orbex. Do you want to give us uh, a touch on that? Yeah, I was watching a few of the, um, I don't know if we want to call them reviews. It was a few uh, big accounts on YouTube. And it just basically looked like they had taken a previous, I don't know what version you want to say, but I don't know if you want to call it ported. I don't know how to describe it, but the fidelity of the textures uh, of the London um, software was that was a little bit of a shock. And <clears throat> there could be issues. Some people were whispering, oh, it's something to do with the SDK and it didn't 
you know, maybe it didn't uh, convert the way that it should have, but still it's, it's there to be purchased. So I would say it kind of needs to have another look maybe to have a little bit more of a, a quality control because a Sobo has set such a high standard and we've seen so many amazing things. And now that we're in the sim and we're seeing this for ourselves, not just the YouTube video that it isn't even a, a matter of expectations for the sim. It's an expectation now on the developers. It's not going to be a matter of just, I'm going to take this FSX plane and I'm just going to, you know, port it over. I'm not changing any of the textures. I'm not really altering the flight dynamics. I'm just going to shift it over, put it in a box, so to speak, slap a label on it, slap a price on it. So I don't think people are going to, for lack of a better term, tolerate any kind of substandard product. So it's going to go out as a, as a notice. And I also don't think it's going to go unnoticed. I think people are going to speak up. It's not that they want to be naysayers or doubters or problem makers, but they're just saying, hey, what we've already got by default is fantastic. We're not paying for add-ons that look like 2002, 2004, 2006. It's really important that they realize, yes, we want we want as many great add-ons as we can can get at a reasonable price, but the quality of them is going to have to exceed what we have now because we're going to be paying extra money. If you're paying extra money on top of what you've already paid, it has to be worth the purchase. So there's a few things that I think on that aspect, they need a little bit of work. I still think that there's other releases that that we can see in the marketplace that are doing well. The London Landmarks is a little bit of a, that's a little bit of an issue. Have you seen it, by the way? Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I think overall, because I kind of want to finish a bit with, uh, with the fact that Orbex was probably just trying to get first product out. Right? And I think even though well we saw the SDK is not necessarily a hundred percent complete so you can't always blame them but I do have to say because they've done it really well at least this time is they've they've reevaluated their pricing and uh, they said okay we can't sell an add-on for so much we have to bring our prices down and accommodate you know between us and uh, and, and the community so at least they knew this. Uh, and they adapted those prices. Uh, I feel like it's also a backport myself, right? So, of course, there's going to be things that are not going to be as amazing because, of course, it's it's a whole uh, new level of quality. Uh, but I think it's just a matter of time before they fix that. So it would yeah. be nice to see yeah. and reevaluate in a few, you know, a few weeks from now once the SDK gets, uh, gets more work done. And uh, yeah. I guess from there we can give them another chance, see what happens. Oh, for sure. I mean... It's so new. Everything is just, everything's new right now. So we have to give everybody a little bit of a chance. Um, it's exciting though with uh, what we can see, the possibilities. If you can see what a Sobo did, just imagine what somebody I had said in the event text. I said, you know, it's it's exciting because there's people that have a knowledge and a love for a particular airport or a particular location. They have a lot of knowledge about the area, and they're going to put their love and attention, the, their work effort into making that as realistic as possible. And if these tools that are available with the SDK are partially at least what Asobo used, I don't know to what degree they are the same, obviously, but um, if that can be accomplished by people 
you know, generally all over the world, it's going to be an amazing thing to see because we're going to get those airstrips that we need. We're going to get, you know, the buildings and things corrected at the airports that some of us live near and, uh, and we can point out that's missing or that's missing. I mean, for a lot of us, we can fly around the world. And we've never been there, so we don't know what's missing and we don't know how important what's missing is. Right. Yeah. And in so, a sense, you're also getting the bigger updates for the scenery from Asobo. Microsoft, and you're getting the little more detailed updates from the scenery developers and and all the people that work uh, behind the scenes to to have these airports available to us. So it's it's a really good balance. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's gonna be great. Yeah. But then it's gonna be great. It's funny because you did mention that um, how the, the sim itself is. It's something that is also a little. What's the right term? Uh, rigorous sometimes? It's, it's not very... Okay, let's say it's an uncompromising sim. Uh, when you fly, you need to know how to fly really... Uh, if you want to go for the full experience, you need to know your things a little bit. Um, you'll feel yourself jump around in, in the plane a bit at first. Uh, and you kind of need to work a bit on it to get a grip of the plane. Which I think is, is really great. It's, it's a bit of a learning curve at the same time. Uh, and while you can just take off and fly, uh, even the bigger airliners that usually would require a bit of prepping before, uh, it allows a bit of everyone to, to go without a true compromise. Uh, but I think there's still this little funny thing about you, you get all this weather that hits you, uh, your plane itself is, is handling very differently. And I think people are starting to understand that with the, the Courchevel challenge. Suddenly... It's not as easy as you think. You know, you, you slide down. Yeah. You you realize that all those things add up together, and you're yep. left with a plane <laughs> that you actually need to know how to control properly. Uh, right. See, you know, your 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 descents and all that stuff. It's very interesting. Um, you feel like you're behind the plane to me. You know, yeah. that it, well, the moment that it starts, like, oh wait, I'm I'm going too fast. I have to line up. I, I can't really see. So there's all of these things happening very quickly that you. I'm watching the videos of people. Oh, come on. You just slow down here and you just turn to the right and it's right in front. Nothing like that. First four times, just totally ate it immediately. Boom. I'm trying to get to a million points. I know that's not fantastic. I think I was like 4,400 and something. That's the closest I got in my first eight tries. I haven't had a chance again um, today to give it a try. It's fun. I hope they make more of them. I know that. Uh, yeah, I think it said uh, two weeks and it will change. So uh, ah. yes, these things uh, do rotate, uh, but yeah, definitely you're you're seeing that plane and you're you're feeling it. The plane itself has its life this time. It's not just a uh, on on the rail and everything. So the aerodynamics and all of this really makes the plane have its own life. You know, it jumps around with the different air movements. You you really feel it. So that is something that I really love about it. That that adds you know to the point that it's not just a basic uh, a simulator like FSX really felt. And I think that's going to get tweaked even more over time with the air mass model and the way that the dynamics are going. And as they work on sensitivities and certain things, I, I actually think it's going to get, I don't want to say more difficult, but I think the more realistic it gets, the more difficult it gets. Yeah, I guess difficult is the only way to it say it. More challenging to do. So yeah, it's not going to be as easy. I had said in the in the past, I said we have the legacy version, we have the modern version. 
I'm wondering if somewhere down the road, as the realism increases and a lot of new people come into the sim, I wonder if they'll add another option in there between legacy and modern. And as the modern gets more and more challenging, as it gets more and more realistic, you know, the jostling around from turbulence or wake turbulence or the some of the effects on the ground. Yeah, on, you're riding on the ground. Sometimes the grass kind of has an effect when you're like in a little bush plane. But I think that effect could actually be increased because the rougher the ground, obviously that plane's going to jerk around as you're trying to take off. And I think as they input all of these little you know, nuances into the game, I have a feeling it's going to get a little bit more challenging and maybe they're going to, maybe they'll need something in the middle. Like uh, I think I had spoken to you earlier. I said, oh, maybe they need like a, a recreation level and that would be something above legacy obviously but not quite as difficult as professional or the modern yeah, a, a simpler version of the dynamic a simpler yeah, version somewhere in the middle to make it yeah. a little easier on certain people that don't right. want to have a full challenge and and be right on it or they're new or if they're new you know and they're trying to work their way up so to speak I heard a lot, a lot of people that's why they were impassioned about a career mode and they're hoping that a, a third party will make an add-on so that it's a way of training yourself while you're actually learning. It's like the flight training, but then it goes to different planes and, and you know, now it's, you know, it's multi-engine and so on and so on. And you work your way up. It's a, it's a fun way to well, get through some it. of the training if you're not really, yeah. You touched it. It's people have the sim for different reasons, right? Some people yeah. want it for a challenge. Uh, some people want it for career mode. Some people want it just to view scenery. And I guess if they don't want the trouble of having a realistic flight model and still just want to fly around the world and explore different areas, then that kind of flight model would then make more sense for these guys. And you'd think that with an Xbox controller, you know, on an Xbox system, it might be a little more difficult to handle... Uh, with an Xbox controller, all these affine and, and very precise movements that you may have to, to input. Uh, so if you don't have a, a big controller, uh, a joystick, a yoke, then it may it may be a little more difficult. So maybe they'll be creating something like that for to make it just simpler for people. Yeah, I mean, yep. somebody said, do you mean like an arcade model? And I don't really mean an arcade model. There's just some people are going to want to learn to properly fly an airliner. But you can't learn to fly an airliner coming from GTA. Huh. I'm thinking, oh, now I'm just going to do this and I'm going to jump into. And I don't really expect that they would ever make a an arcadey of a flight model. But I think there could be a couple of them in there. Either that or there is a kind of dedicated career model that will advance you through the stages. Maybe you get a certificate pass, some kind of proficiency in order to get to the next level up and some people would like that to be like a classroom sort of a study environment other people might like it to be more of an interactive or tutorial type uh pathway to get there but i, I don't know i think it's possible because I, I think in a couple of years imagine what the the dynamics can be we're all talking about you know, there's a battle on YouTube. Oh, the dynamics aren't like X-Plane, and it's different than P3D. And, you know, the, they said the other one was on rails, but this one's part of the problem that people are having now is what we said in the last show. 
air mass is simulated and in none of them has the air mass been simulated either to this degree or at all. So all of the years that people have been flying who are not pilots, they've been flying in a manner that they're comfortable with and a way that they expect to fly. Which is not but true to life. But as you add it, which is not true to life. And I'm sure it is going to be, yes, they need to work on the dynamics a little bit. And they're going to continue to do that. Like X-Plane, I mean, how many times did you see Austin would come out with all of these detailed you know, equations and calculations and explanations. And it was fascinating to say, wow, if you do this, it affects this and this. And, and, and that was very frequent. And it's been going on for years. One of the things I think everybody has to do is they have to realize that flight, this flight simulator from Microsoft, it's almost like a brand new one. Because the gap has been so long, the people that have worked on this product now, they didn't work on FSX. And I don't think Asobo's ever done a flight simulator. So it's literally, the Microsoft is the one thing that is the constant, although that large gap, it's like a new simulator. We have to give them time now. Time we gave X-Plane, same time we gave P3D to make the changes on the X FSX structure that they carried over. It's going to take a while. You know, there's five versions of, X of um, P3D. I don't know how many versions of X-Plane there are. But in a couple of years, with the technology that they have, imagine what the flight dynamics is going to be. It's not going to be easier, that's for sure. And all of these people that have been flying for 5, 10, 15 years now suddenly are faced with this doesn't feel right. Partially, it doesn't feel right because those dynamics will need to be tweaked. Sensitivity and people these will, will need to be to changed. To but it. part of it, yes, and part of it, yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Part of it is the hard knowledge that wow, all this time I've been doing this and it's not correct. Because that that air mass simulation wasn't there. And I said last week, not having air mass simulated for an airplane is like having a ship builder say, Well, we have the most accurate, you know, ship simulation in the world, but we didn't simulate the water that it that it rides on, that it floats in. Yeah, so I really love this. One. Yeah, it, it can't it's be so accurate. accurate. Yeah. So there's going to be a learning curve that I think some people are going to be not thrilled about because they're so used to the feel that they expect and discovering that that feel that they expect while maintaining that they're doing something accurately, it's not there. And there it's going to be hard for them to say, okay, I know it's it's felt this way for 10 years, but... At least half of what I'm experiencing is not a mistake. That, that was the initial impression. I think some of the testers as well. Yeah, but not Maybe only they... is it that, but don't forget, most of us have not really flown the plane uh, no. in the captain's spot and just said, "Well, let's let's go, let's fly, let's let's yeah. you know take the stick and let's let's move around." Uh, even airliners, you know, airliners tend to have uh, a big thing called autopilot, so you don't really get always to experience how a plane feels. Um, when you move it around. So it's mostly general aviation based. And, well, the sim is general aviation uh, focused, right? Because you yeah. do get VFR. There's there's a lot of things that make sense in having a lot of general aviation planes. Um, and luckily we had the team uh, at Asobo work on that and get with pilots, get with manufacturers, 3D scan the thing, get as much data as they could and people, experienced people, try it and 
get it moving, you know, so they could really get as much feedback from people that knew the plane and, and get that to the to the realism that we have today. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't feel like this. Really, well, that, that feels, you know, whatever. It feels uh, arcade-ish. It doesn't feel right. Well, we can't really judge ourselves because we haven't gone through that process where we've gathered feedback from trusted sources. Um, and as a result of this, we can't complain because we can say, well, that doesn't feel right. Um, and when we complain, they're just going to tell you, well, go with the FSX. That's why the legacy version is there. So you can use that other aerodynamics model uh, with the old FSX method and, and you'll still be fine. So yeah, I think it is just a way for people to to, to learn. It's, it's a learning process. It's a learning Correct. curve. People will have to get used to a new flight model and how it's, it's all different. Now, for some people, I may say, well, heck, that thing is sensitive. It moves very quickly up and down, right and left. Guys, you can also adjust your sensitivity settings. So if it's way too sensitive, bring it down a notch, and and it'll feel much better to fly with. Around with the sensitivity yesterday. It's yeah. I mean, there's still room. Obviously, there's still room for those things to be improved, and I'm sure they will. Especially, you know, what's going to be key as well is these things that like the sensitivities and things like that that we that we vocalize this that we make sure whatever the preferred location is that we speak up in forums and just say, you know, I'm finding that like before I tweak the sensitivity on the honeycomb, if I moved the pitch a half an inch, it, it had quite an effect. I could barely move the controls. So I did uh, lower the sensitivity to 80% negative. It made a bit of a difference, but there's still room that it could go. And maybe to adjust the way that the curve is drawn, because when I put it at 100, it was rather like a dead zone, this long, flat, barely input, and then all of a sudden it increased sharply. I think the sharpness of the curve, if that could be adjusted more than just by the number itself, if you could drag that, or I'm sure if, as long as we vocalize and speak out, and not in a, you know, an insulting or or demeaning or way. degrading or angry way just say this is what i'm experiencing i think that the sensitivities need to be changed a little bit like the rudder the rudder is so quite sensitive they know that they're working on it and again back to the same idea if we think of it as a new sim just like when x-plane came out the very first time just like flight simulator it's had years and years and years to work on the dynamics and the stability to the point that you know four or five years later the, the the base of it is completely stable it's the new features that end up oh that has a bug or you know the the, the changes so down the road of course this will be i mean I, i'm positive they've put so much work into this now they're not just going to stay well yeah you guys just don't know how to fly well you know that's why they have missions now right they they can give you a few missions uh, okay I, I probably shouldn't be using the term missions because that references the FSX uh, mission style, uh, which is not exactly the same. They kind of split that into different categories. Um, but the training section of the the new simulator, in a sense, is is made for that, right? You have eight different training scenarios that you go through that kind of teaches you the sim, and they give you this introduction. Um, and I think 
Well, you know, for me, that's the that's not the first thing I thought of doing. I went straight to the summer, like, yeah, okay, I, I know some stuff. I think I can handle it. Um, but then you realize that you just ignore the section because you feel like, well, it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's just there. Uh, but I know my stuff. And then you just start rambling about the simulator. Where is this? Where is that? I have to go look into the keybinds every five minutes to find, you know, where's this feature? Where's that? How do I pause? How do I do this? So it it gets a little annoying. And once you go through that and you actually go through the training, then I guess you have a better experience because you do learn that stuff. So don't be scared to go back and learn the basics or you can just quickly go through it. You know, if, if you know it, you'll know it. So you'll be able to do it fairly quickly. Uh, if you don't know it, then now you know it. And you can kind of discover those little extra things that the simulator can bring. So I think that's in its own uh, a thing that people tend to ignore a bit, uh, especially the more experienced people. But it does tend to bring uh, extra details, keybinds, and, and things you were not expecting to be in a simulator. Because this is a full-blown product. This has a lot new... You know, a lot. It's a whole set of features. You know, active pause, uh, for example, is is amazing. It's this extra thing uh, where you can essentially pause your playing, but you're not pausing the time. Whoa. The time continues. The weather continues. Uh, the animals still walk. Uh, the wind simulation continues. Your plane is just frozen in the air, and that's on its own is amazing because then you can go third person view. You go to uh, the drone mode and you can go fly around uh, without the plane. <laughs> of course, you have to leave the plane behind. But then you can go explore, right? And this is this is another you thing. So, a world in the drone. W- would you know this much, but... if you didn't go through certain uh, certain things, right? If you didn't go through a tutorial, if you didn't go yourself manually through all the keybinds and oh, what is this, right? So, don't be afraid to learn and and go through those things again. They can teach you some good stuff. Yeah, I am gonna. I haven't gotten through all of them, and in the first one, she kept telling me you're leaving the training era area over and over and over. I, I kind of wish there was a, a sort of a visual indication so that you could could stay in. I had a little bit of very basic problem. The keyboard didn't want to respond to one of the objectives to set a custom view, and no matter how I pushed that control alt one it just didn't seem to work but that i don't know if it's a hardware thing or if it was just a delay or a bug but i'm definitely not uh i'm not worried about it i have 100 percent confidence that they're going to iron these things out and the dedication the way they're updating every week the development roadmap's still there the wish list is still there the feedback is still there the nda is still there so the alpha and beta testers are going to be going forward and they're also going to be you know, testing new features that are coming out. So it's it's clear that this is not a smash and grab. That's the main thing we have to remember over and over again for those of us who went through the trauma in the past is it's not a smash and grab this time. They're, they've already given us more updates this time than we ever had in another sim, and technically it's only the first week. But the updates right up to release are so many even the trees. Let's say the trees. Remember, they, they're saying something about, oh, the trees are gigantic and they're 200 feet. And you can't clear them at the end of the runway. Well, when we've looked, I think 99% of the trees now have been adjusted. And they did that in a couple of days. They did it from the time of the question and answer mm-hmm. to, like, the weekend. Like, a couple of days, like two or three, four days they did it. So, uh, I don't know. I have a lot of confidence that a lot of the biggest issues 
are going to get taken care of. And I think also where people are flying, you had mentioned that before, that they're aware of where we're flying the most. But when they see issues in those locations, they're going to get attention right away because thousands of people are, you know, in those locations. But I don't think they're going to ignore, basically, Jörg said, they're not going to ignore the parts of the sim that in the past have been ignored. He has every intention of bringing South America and Africa up to the levels that we see in North America and Western Europe. It'll take time. Yeah. Let, let me clarify that. Um, so I mentioned in previous episodes that um, the alpha, well, the tech alpha, the alpha, the beta, um, had a lot of, um, of data gathering to see where people were flying, you know, how long were they flying, and, and all the data metrics that you can gather on how people fly, where, with what plane, and so on. Uh, with what weather and everything and so you can kind of see this trend that comes up and as a result you know you can see what's happening right you can see where people tend to go and what they tend to do and as a result you know where you need to well first of all where you did well because people are going to use the features that they like so people are going to use the clouds uh, until they're bored of it which is going to take a long time because they're amazing clouds that they've made in the simulator but it's also you know where aren't they going the map is huge it's the world and it's pretty well up to scale so where are people not flying and developers have mentioned that they are working on parts of the world where people usually don't fly and that's to get people to discover you know get a new experience of things that they usually don't go to um, and this relates back to what we said earlier you know we, we tend to go to the same spots all the time so this is really a new dynamic that we will have to get out of our habits and, and start moving forward and kind of discover these places because there's a lot of opportunities for us. We just need to go through them. Thus my name gives yes. away how I used to fly because I would go to all of the extremities of the world. And I always did it as a kid when I looked at a map. Like I've said before, if you've been in the past shows, I would drive my mother crazy. She'd get National Geographic and I'd open this huge map on the on the dining room table and I'd be scouring in the middle of the ocean. And she's like, she'd look over my shoulder. She's like, what are you doing? And it's like, Oh, uh, I want to know what's on that dot and what's on that dot over there by New Zealand. And I was a little kid and I was picking out these or, or, or where the land was the furthest point East or the fur, furthest point North or South. And I'd be picking these extremities. So I have some experience trying to go to the lesser populated places of the world just because I want to see what they look like. But it'll be great to have these areas that have been somewhat ignored or overlooked to be brought up equally so that, like you said, the, the whole VFR thing is just – for people that are new to the sim, they can't understand. For those of us that have been around it for a long time, it's just hard to comprehend the amount of the world that has opened up to that kind of flying. And I think that's why, for the first time, we're going to get – a little bit of equality for the GA versus the um, the airliner, because in the past you just really you were playing more of a game when you were flying GA because the ground just was not giving you the feedback that the systems in the airliners could give you so that you could fly that way. But to try to fly GA was really really tough, and they've given us a lot of different choices of aircraft now, and they've promised to bring up. You know these neglected areas of the world so one day in the near future it's going to be it's going to be amazing i can't wait 
it's very promising. So, um, I hate to take it off topic here, but uh, I did have a question earlier that I'd like to ask if that's all right. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, so essentially what I was wondering is if the if you guys know about the xplane.org forums, they have something going on where there's a whole freeware section where you can download content and uh, a big um, there's a big section for freeware developers to upload liveries, utilities, scenery, all that kind of stuff. And I was wondering if there's any intent to bring something like that onto the flight simulator forums. Now, I love this little thing because we're going to have a lot of development that's going to start to happen, both payware and freeware, and liveries. And we've seen that on the Discord. There's already a few channels for those, and they're starting to fill up, which is amazing. You know, uh, content from the community is, is amazing because we can all share it. We can all enjoy it. Um, and there's going to be a lot of it, and at some point, well, we're going to see, well, where can we have those? And, well, there's, of course, we're going to see how Microsoft and Asoba decide to work with the marketplace for potential freeware. But there is this association that it's Microsoft, it's their marketplace, therefore they would be responsible for what's in it. And especially for freeware, that is difficult to do. So we may or may not see uh, a section for freeware. Can't say it's going to happen. But I would say if it is, there would be a big disclaimer and say, well, we're not responsible for anything that happens in here. Um, and I would say run with, you know, a, a system uh, of ratings. You know, people rate uh, add-on people, you know, the, the developers, they rate the add-on itself. They test and they say, well, you know what, this is great. I believe this is worth five stars and I believe more people should buy it. And based on the ratings that people get, then they would climb up uh, or they would remain uh, below. And that would be a way. Uh, that may be a little bit of a difficult situation for Microsoft, so I don't know how they're going to handle that. That would be an amazing, uh, ideal situation. But there's always yeah. a backup. And the backup method is, well, the good old method from FSX. You have a lot of freeware um, websites that exist for FSX, and I'm guessing most of them are starting to pivot for this new simulator. Um, you have AVSim, Flyaway Simulation, Riku, and I am not mentioning a lot of others. And these it's guys like, have terabytes. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy. So that would be you know, sure. these guys could take over, right? They could be well saying, hey, guys, hello. We are not only keeping support for, because these guys are keeping support for older uh, simulators than, than FSX, right? They're keeping the older versions as well. Still have FS2002 in there sometimes. So, you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're some keeping F some old stuff. I saw some FS98 on AppSim in the library. <laughs> it's like, wow. wow. I, don't even know how, I don't even know how it could run. But uh, I'm hoping in a way, you know what I'm hoping for, is I'm hoping that there can be freeware submissions on the marketplace somewhere that have been vetted and approved and are of such a level that they'll have that area. Because that way it'll show that, yeah, we want you to buy our DLC, but we also have some talented freeware people out there and we want to give them a little bit of the spotlight as well and, and show off some of the things they have to offer. So I would hope that somewhere in uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator that we have a little section for maybe the very best. And you know what else that would do is it would kind of inspire 
some of the people that are developing and saying, you know what, I could get mine in the official marketplace. It actually would. Maybe, it would be a boost. Yeah, people would yeah, be excited and work on. hard to get that going. Yeah. As a goal, again, I, even though I've been around forever, I'm just totally not against the idea that there are different ways to fly, there are different ways to use the sim, and I'm not against things that will encourage participation or that will break up the monotony. I'm not against missions. I just don't want them. I didn't want them to be a standard thing. I'm not against career mode. I just didn't want that to be the default way the sim opened and you had to you know, work your way up. But I think that add-ons or new features for the sim that will expand its usability, its usefulness, it can't hurt. Anything, you know, after a couple of years, maybe you've flown around everywhere that you're interested in and you're like, geez, I don't know what to do now. Anything that will get that person to continue to use the simulator. And if that means adding challenges or adding missions or adding an economy, either through the marketplace or through the sim itself, I'm not against it. As long as no one is forced into any particular kind of flying, I'm all for it. The more people that come, in the end, the better. Yeah, there'll be some annoying children screaming and doing all kinds of things, but there's ways to limit that. There's ways to, you know, to have the sim the way that you want it. But I don't want anybody excluded. And maybe I would get bored sometimes. I did get bored. I mean, let's face it, with FSX, I, I got bored after a while. I've I've flown everywhere I can fly, you've done the missions, and there's nothing left to do except repeat what you've already done. So the landing challenge is fun. You know what I'm hoping, but I don't know they'll do it. I wonder if when the landing challenge challenge switches, uh, would that be something that you could, I don't know, keep so that you could go back? Let's say you were never any good at it. Let's say I do it 10,000 times and I'm terrible. And one day I wake up and go, you know what? That Kershavell defeated me 540 times last week, and I want to try it again, but it's not there anymore. So I'm just wondering if I'd like to think. I'd like to think there'd be some sort of archive or area where you can access the historical challenges, I guess. Yeah, because I think it'll probably take that long for me to actually land and stop near that blue square. So uh, I was happy to get close to a million. But yeah, I agree. It has to be something where you can probably, yeah, yeah. you know, you can get archive it. it. It's a perfect, yeah, perfect a little idea. extra thing where you can get it sideways, not the big one. But I mean, at the same time, you know, these things would add up, and at some point they would remove the older ones. That would be a way where you kind of slide, but you have a few that are, and we could say like a, the rest. You know, you, you go through it, then it stacks up on the side on the little list, and as you go through new ones. You could play the old ones, but the old ones slowly disappear as time flies. Um, that would be a way. Um, but I don't know. Would, would would you really at the same time enjoy it if at the end you have all these things? It's going to become a little repetitive, and at the end you're going to have the same events come at different places. And you're like, well, I was just doing the exact same thing in Courchevel. Do I really want now to take another two weeks and do this? Because uh, well, it's it just another them to make sure that that doesn't happen. See, that's part of the beauty of it. So they'd have to... Is that where in the past you might... Yeah, they have to really think it out. It really has to be worth the... The bar is so high now for everything. If you, imagine if you're somebody who's going to make a weather add-on. I'm sure it's going to be done. 
but good luck because you've got a standard to beat. Or if you're going to do a mission or a challenge, it's going to have to be interesting because now people have an expectation that to live up to. So yeah, I would imagine it can be done. And, but it's not going to be something you're going to slap dash. Okay, here we've, you know, we've just done a half-assed job and up it out there because if there's a rating system like you suggested, and I hope there is, as far as, you know, I hope you have to own the right item in order to be able to rate it and if you don't own it you can't rate it well you know you already yeah i I would imagine you're already connected with your xbox account so just pair it up there and you're good right that would for me that would make sense it's it's an easy thing and then uh um we have uh boogie your six oh man sorry i botched that name uh but he talked about how these freeware could be in, in three different categories you know, one easy non-complex modules, the second one being more higher and more complex modules, which if you are a developer, you could work it out. And, uh, you know, through a bit of work, you could probably understand and learn different modules and, and, you know, kind of have your progress show with the plane that you're coming out with and having that second category of a little more complexity and have what he calls here the God tier complexity, um, where everything is fully modeled and essentially like a, a, a free, uh, you know, like a full payware, uh, like the quality level. Um, but yeah, even payware and freeware, essentially what he's telling me. Um, and that's that's true, right? We, they could just have, you know, a few categories saying, well, this is not made to be 100% true to life full simulation. This is just essentially you have a little cockpit, you have the plane, and you have a few features to fly the plane, kind of like the basic uh, freeware that we've seen in FSX, the ones that you can get that are 40 megabytes. Um, sometimes even have the, the 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 virtual cockpit from another plane, so that was borrowed. And then they they pretty much supply the delivery as well as the 3D model for the plane. Um, and that would be something that would work a lot for unique planes, uh, older planes, World War II, you know, all, all these little things that exist you have a lot of little planes that we don't know about that are uh very niche uh the ones that look weird the one that you didn't know exist like you didn't know existed and all of those together could be in that little easy you know well at least i made a beautiful model for it and then will the cockpit don't expect it to be awesome that would be great you know have a non complex modules and then people that want to have more of an experience with a, uh, a virtual cockpit would then go to the higher complexity um, and then the highly rated freeware developers or payware developers would go with the god tier of course i didn't mean it amazing. to be insulting you know as far as no, suggesting no. there could be a, a, another dynamic in there i just i think it might be a step if there's incremental steps on your way up because i probably would need them for sure so if they ever do that i, I think it will help it'll certainly help the new people and maybe the people that need a reset or they're experiencing an issue with their peripheral, they get something new, and then suddenly the new hardware is not acting the way they want, but yet they want to be able to use it and enjoy it. So maybe there can be a tiered level of dynamics, but that obviously is going to take some time to get to that if they ever decide to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's up to, to Microsoft and Sobo to to see how they want to do this. I don't know if they have decided on it and if they're working on it, uh, but I think it might be exclusive for a little bit, you know, have the marketplace for payware right now. Um, and from the the user interface, 
which in the simulator in its own is, is great. It's a, it's a really fantastic user interface. Uh, there is sometimes some stuff which I would, would kind of tell me it's not made for big numbers. So it's more here's the few featured ones. And if you really know one that you want to go, you'd probably search it. Um, or then you'd really have to go into categories and it would essentially sort it out to you. Uh, but it's not made for you to have, you know, a list of 50 modules all at once on the screen. Uh, so from the current perspective of the user interface, I would kind of tend to believe it's not ready for, for freeware or at least quantity uh, in the marketplace. It can change, definitely. And I'm sure there's a lot of ways they can adapt it, but uh, I don't see it yet. It may be in the future. Well, I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see as, uh, as more stuff gets developed, because right now it is... Uh, I mean, the sim just got released. Everything is so new. Yeah, everything is so new. We have, we have no idea. There's so much to learn still with what we've got now, let alone, you know, updating and adding on, uh, which they will. I think they said every two to three months there'll be dates. There will be uh, world updates every two to three months, probably in between those. Um, DLC yeah. and, and other updates coming in through there. So they did say to expect monthly updates, what those will exactly be. But we know we have a world update coming in. Uh, September so and I think that's part of the reason why they have maybe released some people think they released too soon let's say so maybe what they've done is they figure you know what we're gonna release it now X percentage is really good there's a lot of room to have a lot of fun and while they're doing that we're just gonna be pumping out the updates I think part of the part of the I don't want to say fume because it's not fume, but you know, there's been some negativity and there's been a lot of positivity. So interspersed with that, the people that are having issues or, or problems or things that they're complaining about, I think a lot of them are either new or very experienced. There's not a lot of people in the middle because they don't quite know. The people that are new have no idea about the updates. People that are experienced remember how infrequent the updates normally are, major updates. So maybe they're doubting they're a little worried oh god is it going to be six months before we hear but it's not and it's something that's another new thing we have to get used to is it, well, it's not going to be two patches a year takes times right it, it, it every, takes a lot of year. time for yeah. for development to to happen um and the release date does not mean everything's ready and done there's an, a, a a lot of development that's been done already but we're i think we're only just halfway through with the development because not only do you have you know the current feature set and the planes and all of this that's already there there's still bugs with it we know that um, and they know it they're working on it but you know they have this to work on they have all the bugs that currently exist they had the people that had issues with uh downloading and installing the plane uh, their plane the simulator scenery all of this right that's just the 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 basic right that's number one then, on top of this, there is all the new developments, right? So you need to go for VR, share cockpit. There's there's plenty of features that they're still working on uh, to add to the sim. And then on top of this, you have all those updates that are supposed to come regularly with the world and all of this. So it's it's a big team. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of efforts. And even the SDK, you know, that's another one. That's They have a lot of things to work on. Uh, and they have big teams, so, you know, they will work on this and slowly go through it all uh it's a big challenging uh thing for for even big organizations to handle the workload i don't think we usually uh understand 
how much of a workload uh, Sobo has just because we don't do it, right? We're, we're not the ones behind the screen coding, looking for bugs, uh, troubleshooting. We're not the ones behind. And we're not seeing all the stats, all the data that's coming out. There is a lot of work that these guys are doing. And, uh, well, a lot of people are complaining, but we still got to appreciate at least what we have. It's a good beginning. I can't say it was an amazing uh, launch because there's been a lot of issues. Uh, but at least we can say most of it has been done. People now have access to the sim. So at least it's a good beginning. Right. They're also going to be um, I was telling uh, some of the people in the chat, they were asking about the autopilot bug and how it oscillates. And I said that in the past in um, FS9, and FSX, you'd get some freeware and some payware that actually had that same bug. So it's not something that's brand new to this version of Flight Simulator. But in the past, I remember, you know, and sometimes you'd have other weird bugs, like you'd set the altitude hold and it wouldn't, or you'd set the vertical vertical speed, maybe 200, and it would just keep going. It would, it would pass your hold. So autopilot bugs are, are common, but... Um, they said they have the largest team working on that one in particular, so I'm sure they will get it. Uh, I'm sure they'll get all these things ironed out, and I think they'll probably get them ironed out faster than we had them ironed out in the past. Again, because they have a larger team, they seem to be specifically dedicated a lot of people to this particular product and the outline of the development roadmap and the way that they're the way that they're acting, giving us these updates yeah. every. They're they're very organized in that sense, you know. You Every have week, I think things. that it will not yeah. be the yeah very structured uh, aspect type has a question. Go ahead with your question. If you want to type it in, I'll try to I'll read it out and try to answer. Yeah, podcast um, text. Toby six seven and the podcast text up top. He says it would be amazing if some hardware companies, Honeycomb, Thrustmaster, Logitech, etc., would announce some new force feedback hardware like yokes and joysticks. It makes a big difference to the realism and immersion in the sim. Uh, if we could have some new and more affordable units, it would be amazing for the sim. I can't agree more because any kind of feedback, tactile feedback that we can get in the sim, I'm all for it because right now what we've got sound and visual, but we don't have any, you know, nothing is vibrating in the turbulence. Nothing is shaking except on the screen. So any kind of tactile feedback, that we can get. Yeah, we could say our controls are still help. independent of the plane itself. Like the plane is not providing us feedback about how it flies and the pressure that is applied to the stick. So yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. And um, we already talked about this actually last episode about force feedback. Um, I think that it would be something amazing. Don't don't get me wrong. This is something that would really uh, improve a lot of people's uh, uh just immersion, you know, it, it's it, it's experiential. All you do about it is understand more about what you're flying, how you're flying, and uh, it tells you, you know, that, well, this is the current pressure on the stick. So you can get a better understanding of your awareness, uh, spatial awareness, and all the forces that apply to the plane. That would be amazing. The only real issue is the price, because yeah. these things are still expensive, and... I mean, that's the thing. There hasn't been a lot of competition in that market. It's it's still a bit of a niche market. With uh, Microsoft finally going with Xbox, Steam, they're finally pushing it out there so every gamer can have access to it. 
that's really the, the main point. So the patents are also made it difficult. I, I read some articles. In yeah, that's true. In the past that they kind of issued like cease and desists on people that you know hadn't dealt with them. I think that they're going to have to term it in some other way. They're going to have to tweak behavior so that they can they can claim that kind of product. I, I watched a video today on YouTube. Uh, the guy had a 787-9 pilot, and they let him. He let him try out the simulator. He was a friend of the person that posted the video. And one of the comments that got me was he was very pleased with the Cessna. He said there were some things, obviously, they're inoperable with the Dreamliner that will become operable as they update. Um, and it is in real life, partially because of the view that you don't have the peripheral view out of your eyes. And so it was a little bit, it took him a little bit to get used to how to use the Obviously, if you had like track IR or VR, it would it would make a difference. But he said that you you're missing a little bit of that that physical force, the clues that it will give you. Uh, but otherwise, he said it, it was he was still impressed with it. But yeah, if we could have something that would give us those patients, it, it could only be good. And and the more the more products that attempt it, the price will come down. So we have to encourage people that that try to make this a reality. So hopefully I'll be inspired by the new SIM to try to tap into that. I mean, they have the thing like the butt kicker. Have you ever heard of that? It goes on your chair, uses the sound to give your chair a kind of vibration. Have you heard of this product, Cookie? Uh, not really, but I guess it's more of those immersion uh, like yeah. hardware things. An yeah. amplifier it attaches to the bottom of your chair. And if I'm not, incorrect it uses the sound very low frequency sound that it actually vibrates into the into the seat so you can kind of detect when the wheels have hit the hit the runway and it helps a little bit i would imagine i was i was looking at it i haven't uh, uh there's a couple comments uh evidence says i've never tried it but i want to try one me too toby 676 butt don't, kicker don't looks amazing i would it. love to try it these things, like you told me about the 77 pilot, like, of course, someone who flies a Dreamliner is used to seeing, you know, everything in front of them. You can just go grab the, the gear lever, pull it down, get your auto brake on, pull the flaps. It's it's directly in front of you and it's physically there. That's that's the ease of use with a full-blown simulator, uh, which we don't have. So that's, that's kind of like the issue. Uh, force feedback does not enhance that, but... You know, of course, track IR and VR help as well, but we're never really going to get that that exact thing, which is why, you know, that experience of taking just one hour going into uh, a simulator and having everything in front of you is an amazing experience to have. We have a question from Aspect Type talking about the multiplayer, um, how many players are in that server. Um, talked about this uh, last time so I'm going to make it quick um, multiplayer planes in the servers of course um, geolocalization so make sure that the server you're in is uh, wherever you want it to be but everyone that you want to fly with has to be in that same so if it's North America Europe um, Asia and all those make sure that at least you're in that same uh, server and the multiplayer planes are limited within 200 kilometers to the 50 closest planes. 
and all that data is sorted in the server side and it's sent to the client. Uh, and then of course, uh, the client, so your computer, they'll depend on the performance of your computer to see how many you can actually render. Um, but it shouldn't be an issue when, uh, I don't know, I haven't tried flying with 50 planes around me yet. That'd be no, fun. I haven't done any multiplayer yet. I want to, but again, I haven't had the chance. It's been terrible. I've waited a year and how many weeks to get it. And then the week that it comes out, work has just been heavy. So I'm like, oh, I'm racing to get done with the job. And then maybe I have an hour to fiddle around yeah. and I get stuck. I don't know if anybody else has this issue. I get stuck on the world map, but again, I'm a map geek. As soon as it starts spinning the globe, I'm looking here and zooming in. And I, I discovered that the hour and a half that I had to actually do some flying, I'm just exploring what's available on the map, where to go. Oh, if I take this plane, I can reach, I can reach this spot. And my obsession is to get around the world in the smallest plane possible to get to the most extreme points that you can reach and, and not break the rules, so to speak. So I just keep catching myself twirling that map and looking and it's, it's amazing. There's obviously there's room to add a few more. I don't know what database they are using to get all their information, but I'm sure we're all going to point out things that can be at you. That's one thing. All I can say is the air cycle. On... Do you think, Yep. There will be a point. They will allow you to add a custom. Yeah. A custom what? I, I'm curious if they'll ever allow us to add a custom destination that will be in at least our own database that we can find a point on a map that maybe should have or an airstrip or something or there's something you want to see in that location. So you, you add a custom destination because you can set it as your departure or your arrival. But what yeah, you might want to disconnect and reconnect so you can get a fresh connection and uh, come sure. back. And uh, yeah, while we're here, I'm going to answer a quick question. Uh, Nonstop Gamer asking about installation uh, with a slow internet connection of 500 kilobytes per second. And if that's going to affect multiplayer. Um, yes, that will affect multiplayer because 500 kilobytes per second may just be enough for you to gather data from about <laughs> other people. But then... You know, you're also streaming scenery, maybe from uh, from the internet. Then um, there's the weather, so there may be a lot of things. So you may have to plan yourself in a, in advance, cache some scenery, um, and if you want the best experience, then maybe uh, set a specific weather type beforehand so it's non-live, so that all your bandwidths can be used uh, for streaming and other planes data. Okay. Farrell, are you back? I think so. Can you hear me? Yes, beautiful. Yes, very good. So I'll try one question? last time. <laughs> yeah. My question was, do you think they will allow custom destinations that you set in the world map to eventually be added to your uh, database so that if you set a custom destination, you can name it, put it in your database, and you can go back to it so over and over again? saving a custom point? Yep. Wow. Oh. Yeah, um, I've actually heard a lot of people mention that. Uh, there's been quite a few people on the Discord saying, hey, that should be a thing. Um, because sometimes there's there's points of interest that we like that are not necessarily there. Um, I would hope it is not, I think, right now, uh, unless uh, I'm unaware of the feature. Uh, I don't know if, if we're ever going to get one. <clears throat> At worst, I'm guessing that's another type of add-on that can happen, you know, part of the, of the menu, uh, if that's a possible thing. 
that would be an add-on type that would uh, would be great. You know, have a, a manager for custom points, name them yourself, and have all the the data, the GPS uh, data on it. That would be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. If they can Sorry. add that, that would be a feature to add. Uh, real quick, uh, what is this, and why is there a bunch of people in here? Just real quick. Hi, we're doing a podcast right now. And... All right, cool. Just making sure. Sorry to jump in. Hey, no worries. We people no. can ask questions in here as well, right? Gotcha. So uh, you can say them, or there's the podcast text as well if you want to go in there. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So I think custom points are going to be something. I mean, that would be part of the of a feature request that we, we should send to Sobo if they have any of those. Yeah. I would think, I would think they would need to permit it because there's going to be people that are going to be making add-ons, payware or freeware that are that maybe are not like for instance, uh, the Faroe, the Faroe Islands, which are between Iceland and Scotland. They are a pretty common place to stop if you're doing any kind of GA uh, flying from North America to Europe or ferry ferry flighting a plane from one continent to the other. And uh, the islands are there, but the Vagar Airport is not there. There's another one in Greenland, Narsarsuak, which is also used for the same purpose. And um, I'm sure somebody's going to add them, but if they can't add a custom destination, so to speak, there would be no real way to add that to the database that we all see. I don't. I would imagine it's possible. I just don't know if we can do it ourselves. If they'll allow us just for our own personal use, not like for an add-on or something. But I hope they do, because that would open up some of the areas where we know something should be, and we're going to use that spot that they may be unaware of and that maybe nobody's presently working on. So it, w it would be useful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or points of interest. You know, maybe points of interest that have not been, you know, included. But people like, you know... They're there to let us know, hey, this is a great location. It's got a lagoon or or something, and it can add it so that we all could fly there. Yeah, I think it's going to be something great. If they can do this, and you can probably synchronize with I your hope. friends and share certain points, it would be easier, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. And it would take the load off of them. A bunch of people were saying, oh, you... You know, this, well, this this point in the Andes is, is a really cool place, and I wish that you had a, a, a POI marker for it. If we could add those, well, that'd be I awesome. Mean, uh, so, so I mentioned the sharing thing, but technically, in a sense, you could kind of share it already because, okay, you, you'd need external tools as well. But uh, if you go in the search bar right now, you can input GPS coordinates on the map. So... Yeah, you can search those with GPS coordinates, and you can keep a list on a Word document or a notepad, <clears throat> and just have you know, well, this place, this uh, GPS coordinate, this thing, that coordinate, and that way you have it organized on one side, and you just have to put it in, and and you're in it. Uh, of course, it won't be well. You could do this every time and absolutely pen every single thing, but I think it would disappear after yeah. each use so not very useful but at least you can have a list of the ones that you'd want and just have the the coordinates and being put in the search bar and i'll find it for you and you'll be on it um so that's that's the thing right and, yeah. and actually the search bar does a lot of stuff you can actually um that search bar does a lot more than just finding cities it also finds um animals right 
So you can go find uh, <laughs> different types of animals with with a search bar. I love how they made it more than just a you find an airport <laughs> or a city or a point right. of interest. It it yeah. it's encompassing all these little things that you can find that you don't necessarily know. Um, and I found this from uh, Obsidian uh, Ants. So uh, yep. this dude rocks. It's funny. <laughs> I watched part of it, but then I didn't want to see. Luckily, he stopped. But I was like, oh, I, I want to discover it for myself. So I hit the mute. And I kind of turned away. I, I let it. I let him go a little bit because I didn't want to. I didn't want to have everything already told to me. I wanted to discover a few things on my own. I think. Uh, I hope there. I wonder if there's a central location. I think it's in the forums. I think somebody said uh, things we'd like to see or like a general wish list area. I want to see whales. I want to go to Alaska. Make a couple whales jump out of the water. Once they have the water physics down, I think it'd be really cool. Because when I went to Alaska, that was a highlight of one of the excursions I took as we were able to, um, we were flying, I uh, can't remember, it was near Ketchikan, and in one of the inlets, you could look out the window and you could see whales leaping out of the water, and I'm like, God, this is unbelievable. So as I was looking that up in the map, I remembered that and thought, can you imagine looking down in the simulator, because they have animals, I thought, and you're going to see a whale <laughs> jump out of the water i'd be like i'd have to turn the thing off because it would be too much to believe but it'd be cool i'm sure that people will come up with a lot of creative requests and i'm sure they're going to try to accommodate some of the more creative requests i got a question go for it sure so how about cockpit builders do you think they're going to have support for that yep not you know, I would be able to have an external view on my screen, my main screen, without a plane, without gauges. Um, oh, they used to have that. Yeah, they used to have that. Well, you could turn off the gauges by going in your settings and um, what was it? Uh, heads up display. Yeah. Turn, yeah, I figured, yeah. If you turn it off, that would give you. Yeah, I figured a view that out. But I mean, uh, yeah. you guys can't get rid of. The plane itself, though. You guys need to watch oh, episode I... four of the feature discovery series. I know this is getting old, but there there is a lot of information in there. Um, Asobo attempted. Well, no, they didn't attempt. They did. Uh, they did their own cockpits, uh, with hardware, and they played with it. And part of it is uh, was to test, you know, the calibration tools, uh, how they expose their variables to the hardware, uh, and and all the support for the different things. And while most support is not out of the box. Right? It's not a plug-and-play because that would be a lot of hardware to, to work with. Um, it should work fine. Right? They, it, at least they got a lot of the stuff that was accessible with previous uh, flight simulators. So at least it is possible. Um, I don't know the, the, the absolute level of detail and, and how many variables uh, you can export through to your hardware. But uh, at least the, it is possible. That's for sure. Perfect. I used to fly that way uh, in the, the first the first versions of Flight Simulator I had when I was young, and I would do that. I, I can't remember. I think it was Control W, and if you did Control W the first time, you saw the round theme gauges, and then if you hit Control W again, you saw nothing. As long as you stayed in that, you didn't see the plane or anything. But I don't think there was ever one where went outside and you just didn't see the plane either it's kind of like the drone camera i guess you could uh 
and go around the entire world in the drone, but that'd be that'd be something. I, I think if enough people want something or ask ask to have it, they're gonna try to accommodate. Or there will be clever people out there that will figure out a way to to make it work. To do it, yeah. The the possibilities are endless, that's for sure. Part hey, of the have you guys talk start. Go ahead. Oh, I was just asking if you guys had a discussion about VR yet. Sorry, I joined a little late. Not yet, no. Not not have, a significant uh, one. We did not have VR in a little while. Um, and uh, that's because, well, first of all, we're waiting on the feature. But secondly, you got to have the simulator ready before you can add VR. you got to have your performance. you got to have your support with all the GPUs. you got to have a lot of... Uh, of things checked before you could really put VR. Um, and that's a reason why it was not at first. Um, and they, they didn't really know if they really wanted to put VR first and the community really pushed forward and said, hey, we really want VR. So they said, you know, okay, well, we'll try to make it quick after launch to, to bring you guys that feature uh, and not, you know, wait a little longer before adding it up. Uh, essentially making an effort and saying, okay, we'll, we'll bring it in. And, um, well, we saw the performance now that we're getting with our computers, which is not enough for having a full VR experience without having motion sickness, which usually is under with 90 FPS. If you're under 90 FPS, you might have a lot of, uh, of stutter and, well, because with, you, have, you have a VR headset, it, it feels uh, bad. And so you, you kind of get this motion sickness out of it. Uh, you don't necessarily visually see it, but your brain does, and that's why you get that sickness. Um, but strangely, your plane, when you fly, is still somewhat smooth. I cranked up some settings, like the clouds, I want them at ultra. And I don't have top-end hardware, but there's certain things I will not accept to have lower. Like clouds is that one thing which I, I really want to have on ultra. So I set my settings and i'm fine i have around you know 20 30 fps but surprisingly this thing is is very smooth regardless and they are somehow having a way to smooth out just 20 fps and make it unnoticeable because first you go in your game wow this is amazing you play with settings you figure out what your hardware can do and once you're there then you say okay that's what I have. That's what I can achieve with it. And so for me, after that, I stopped having the FPS uh, visual and I just cut everything off. I said, I'm going to enjoy this thing. I am not going to start looking at the FPS all the time because some people are constantly looking at that yeah, thing. Obsessed. I could get more. I yeah. could get more. I could get more. So I'm like, stop and just enjoy. And then after a while, I realized that, hey, I'm, even though I'm getting that amount of FPS, which is not a lot, people want at least 60 FPS on most games. Uh, especially on computer. Crazily enough, I never really saw the frames individually. I never really saw any frame or jittering or screen no. tearing. I didn't see any of that. So it was really smooth. And I don't know if this is a technology that they have. I don't know if this is a way for them to, to work, you know, somehow make 60 frames out of 20 and do some interlacing and, and all that stuff they could but if they use this technology and put it in vr then you could 
not necessarily need 98 FPS to really get to there. See, from from my perspective, I'm a, a user of the Fly and Die mod on FSX, or was until this game came out, of course. Yep. Um, and performance there was okay, but I found that you, especially in a flight sim, especially in that game where the flight is so kind of on rails, if you will, yeah. Um, the maybe you know 45 50 fps as opposed to the normal 75 plus i would get didn't really seem to affect me and the trade-off of having that feeling of realism while flying the sim is just so much more worth it to me than the slight frames drop i saw but the problem with vr especially with some of these higher end vr headsets is you're now having to render, you know, two 1440p panels simultaneously, and so that's where um, I think the performance hit comes comes from. And I think it would be really tough to come up with some technology, you know, whether it be software or whatever, um, to to interlace frames or interpret frames or. Um, something like that to kind of upscale whatever current frame rate you're producing. Um, I think it'll truly just be a hardware limitation. Um, and hopefully with the new 3000 series GTX or RTX cards coming out, that'll help a bit. Um, so the timing of that might actually help uh, VR in this game. Oh man, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, you have a good point with, uh, with Fly Inside because that's true. FSX is not necessarily a 60 FPS plus game, and they were able to optimize a lot of stuff. Um, actually, that's how I still fly in FSX. Is I tried fly inside, and then I never modified the settings after because I was getting such good FPS, and at the same time, the quality, the visual was not that terribly worse. So that worked really well in in that sense. And I agree, it's you don't necessarily need 90 FPS to to really get an experience. Um, and now they're coming out with new uh, new hardware as well, both CPU, GPU, and VR headsets themselves. So because they're working out with, uh, with I think it's HP, um, we'll see what comes up. But I think if they can figure out, you know, how to make this sim run really well with, um, with the demands of VR with those panels, then, yeah, it, it could be something. I really don't know what it is because myself, I don't really have a lot of... Uh, a VR gear with me, and I can't really test that myself. Um, so I guess this is more of a, a wait-and-see situation. Um, and depending on where they are with that, yeah, they could probably just wait till uh, till September, which is not far away for the, the new graphics card, yeah. And then enjoy it. Hey, man, in, term of, in terms of graphics, I fly DCS World, and their graphics are not... I don't know, two different types of graphics engines that you guys are using. And what I noticed is in this game, like I built my computer specifically around DCS World and expecting uh, this game to come out. And when I'm flying low, which is what I like to do, I like to explore and see what's on the ground. It looks like a lot of the graphics are just melted into the ground and I have it maxed. Is anybody else experiencing that? It just seems like they kind of took Google Earth and just slapped it in there and then... Bing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. That is yes. kind of the it. problem is that it's really hard to render the whole world like in really high detail on the ground like that. 
yeah, so that's that's where I was kind of. It's going to take them a long time to really iron out the, the areas that players are going that are going in a lot and like really improving the level of detail or even going across the whole world and doing it. That would take a very long time. So well, that's well, what like, probably going to have. I have yeah. no problem paying for better graphics in places like New York City and things like that. But I mean, the first place I flew was New York City and in the, the on maxed graphics. I mean, everything was maxed. Um, when you flew through the city, the buildings were like melted and it looked like it was just painted on. And I was like, are you like, you got to be kidding me with this. What altitude were you at? <laughs> probably like 500 feet, like mid city. Yeah. yeah you're yeah, probably, probably still downloading the scenery. Well, I paused yeah, it. I paused it and I waited and I have a one gig fiber connection and it's only, it's a dedicated connection. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, uh, I... everyone's on it at the moment. Uh, I suggest you do try to uh, to cache it yourself manually and see what happens afterwards. How? Uh, yeah, I'll check out how to do that. But so, um, it's still. Of... I mean, even you're you're flying in different areas. Like I was flying in Anchorage. One guy m mentioned Anchorage, and um, you could see like it doesn't matter where I go in the world. Like the roads are would would dip down for random reasons where they shouldn't and there'd be like oh, yeah. water going in through the roads and the bridges aren't like the bridges are basically like pa like painted on you can't there's nothing you this can't where the world updates are, yeah this is where the world updates are gonna this I, i've mentioned the bridges and stuff with every version of flight simulator <laughs> they always did some kind of patch the famous okay. one that i always refer to was fsx where they literally on the service pack one and service pack two uh, the first one was, oh, all these bridges are missing. And then the second was there was problems with the bridges. So uh, it's kind of a, a running joke. I totally expected it because how it's been in the past. But the it's world update, which well. I don't know. No, I don't know what the Bing update is tonight because we were here. So I don't know if I'm misspeaking. They mentioned in the past that Bing was constantly you know, getting new information. And uh, Jorg had said it's odd because sometimes – it'll get like this 3D rendering in the middle of a road in the middle of Brazil between two cities. And it's just, he says, it's kind of random at, at times. And yet it's going, I think, in 28-day cycles. I hope I'm not uh, undoing whatever the update is, but it's constantly updating. So as it's getting more and more information, it's going to be upgrading. I was speaking to Cookie uh, privately, and I was wondering if at some point they will consider a kind of texture rendering that when you're below a certain altitude, like maybe below 500 or below, that some, because some of the ground textures are a little bit blurry and they have a lot of trees and buildings and things on top of it. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you kind of look at that, it's still kind of blurry. So I'm wondering if as a middle ground fix for some of the areas that don't yet have the photogrammetry and even the photogrammetry, if you're really low, like at a hundred feet, the buildings are going to look kind of apocalyptic because it's not meant to be seen. Like I'm flying down my street at 50, you know, 50 feet above the ground. And yeah, the buildings aren't going to look perfect, but like two or three, 400 feet in my area, photogrammetry, it looked, it looked fine. But See, I, I think would, that, no, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't no, I'm just saying, I'm thinking that the there may be a, a middle ground here that they would employ some kind of texturing, not like FSX and P3D, but not something completely foreign as to when you get down to a certain level, these set of textures kind of kick in to kind of help with the 
sat because that's what they did. They took the Bing imagery and laid it down. And then the areas where they don't have, you know, 3D and photogrammetry, they had to do the auto gen where the building should be. But some of those areas, yeah, they're they're going to be a little bit blurry, especially when you're very low. So I'm wondering if the time between getting the new Bing data, maybe they'll come up with some kind of system that will render some of the low level flying to make it a little bit better in between. I don't know how difficult that is. Cookie, do you have any idea if that's a possibility, a likelihood, you know, well, something? I'm thinking of uh, up texture, up uh, upscaling at this point, because you could just use your current texture and upscale it or denoise it or, you know, sharpen it. There's there's a lot of, of effects you can add on it. Um, but if you can upscale it, and I know there's some AI that can do this fairly quick now, uh, and some GPU manufacturers are are advertising that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if they can add that kind of stuff, then straight away you would have uh, a texture that would appraise itself uh, instantaneously. And if you can do it right on the spot, it would do it as you go, with, of course, a, a little... Uh, radius around you so it doesn't pop below you and, and change quality that way. Um, but the thing is, when you fly low, your computer has to handle, of course, all the things, right? You're flying, you have the weather, you have the lighting, you have your plane, you have the simulations, it's all running. And at the same time, it's trying to get all your data on the textures. But what I'm thinking about right now is that it's not going from lowest level of detail to highest level of detail. I don't think it's allowing itself to jump too many levels at once. So if you go from the lowest level of detail to two levels up, I think you can do that jump. But I don't think you can go from medium textures all the way up to the highest level of detail on Ultra and, and just download instantaneously, you know, say, okay, I need the highest level of detail right now, put it in front of me. Uh, or beneath me, you know, just suddenly have everything look nice. Um, and about that pause, uh, when you mentioned uh, pausing the simulator to wait for the scenery to load, I hope it was not the escape pause, but the active uh, pause. It was the pause break button, but I, I did that just to see if it would possibly catch up or if there was some type of, I don't know, code in there that would make it catch up, but it just, it never, it never did. And then I actually matched it with a, another guy in here and he was getting the same exact thing on all high settings. So like, I understand that there's a, you know, there's an engine behind it and it's taking a snapshot from Bing and it's placing it on there. It's doing its best job and they've done a great job. I'm not, I'm just talking about, I like to look at the best graphics. And I mean, like if you look at other flight simulators like DCS world, they nailed it. Right. But you come here, I, I expected, way more than what I got when I downloaded it and started flying. I was I was pretty upset. And I don't mind paying for if they have an API, a group of guys that get together and do a model detailing for metropolitan areas. I'll pay for that. But like, I, I'm not really enjoying flying low and exploring right now as it is. Everything else they did in the game, amazing. But like, that's what I like Flight Simulator for. Like, I know a lot of people like to train and do the checklist and stuff like that. I don't care about that. I just want to fly and explore. Yeah, I think you really need to try manually caching New York and uh, 
Once that's I done, will. I didn't know that was available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should be. Yeah, it's in your settings on the on the data. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, my that. area was my area was fantastic. I I saw the drugstore. I saw the supermarket. It. Yeah. It was re and I was low. I was like at two hundred feet. But is it an actual model? Like it's squared out. It's not like. It's, uh... it's photogrammetry. It was exact. The the air conditioners on the roof <laughs> of the building next to me were correct on the roof. But it does it look exact... like it was painted, or is it no, actually? It looks like it's a photo. It looks like it's a photograph looking down. Hmm. I'm gonna check but that my... out and get back to you guys. But it may be because my although my area is pretty dense. When you go from ooh, what uh, West Palm Beach all the way down to that's where I am. I'm in Boca. Yeah, my area. I'm in Broward. It looked spectacular. I couldn't believe it. Uh, the problem for me was I couldn't control the plane. I wanted to fly the plane slower but i was so low I, I wasn't paying attention to what altitude i was at i was just trying to get a better and better look and i was going too fast to really control it properly and i still haven't really dealt with the drone camera at all i haven't had a chance i probably haven't had two hours of the sim since release and i certainly haven't had two hours at one time so i'm still kind of learning but yeah it was i couldn't and i went now the front of the cvs on the corner was a little bit obviously i was at like 100 feet by then mm -hmm. it, it was a little blurry but i could see the red i could kind of see the brick as soon as i went up to like four or five hundred feet i was like i don't believe this don't yeah believe it gets this. real I, good at that yeah. yeah i couldn't believe it so i'm sure down the road also it's going to be a hardware limitation as well because we're going to need even more powerful hardware if they're going to start rendering buildings at a photogrammetry level down to like a hundred feet, that's really gonna take some massive. Well, just areas like ours, like metropolitan areas, yeah. you know, like Chicago, New York, and like I don't. I mean, I'm sure other people probably don't like the idea, but I don't mind paying for a oh, high I'm sure somebody will do it. Metropolitan area, I don't mind I'm it. I'm sure I can't it'll be do done. It. I'll pay for it. It's kind of. I'm sure know? it'll be done. Well. It's coming. You yeah. know, it's coming. So they if anybody's out there that. and they can do it, I'll pay for it. <laughs> Put put that effort in oh, there, and I'll sure. do, I'll pay for it. <laughs> because they tried to do this with every other simulator we had. If you if you if you've been doing it a long time, you'll know that even without the photogrammetry and without the the accuracy that we see today, as far as where the buildings are, they still attempted in payware to try to model cities as much as they could. Mm -hmm. uh, not you know not nearly like what we can do now. But so I am positive somebody's going to try to take some of so. that and and really, and you know what else? Black Shark hinted at it. Black Shark in their video for the partnership video, uh, there was that part where it said we're we're also getting the facades and the roofs to match the area in which the the satellite imagery was taken, and they showed kind of a wireframe, a drawing of a house. And it was showing the sides and the front and then said, you know, then we apply the appropriate texture and the type of roof and the color. So I would imagine as that technology gets better, that will be fed in through these world updates that if they get any new data or if Black Shark, you know, upscales some of their their information, they're going to be redrawing, so to speak, these facades on the building so that as you're flying lower, you may be... Have you noticed? There's one thing. Have you noticed the the auto gen areas? You can go all the way to the ground, and the buildings. Okay, they might look a little bit like 
FSX buildings, maybe a little bit better, all the way down to the ground, they have a relative fidelity comparable at least to, you know, 2012-ish kind of autogen so that if you took the plane and landed it on your street and it was an autogen location, it wouldn't be like New York. You would see a, a modeled house. You'd see the, the, the TV flickering in the window. Now, it wouldn't look like a photogrammetry apartment building from 800 feet where you might be able to see, you'd see some pretty good detail because you're not that close. But the autogen is actually pretty crisp all the way down to the ground. So the trick will be, how do they take the AI and get it to sharpen the facades of the buildings when you're down that low? I'm, I'm right. positive it will come. I just don't know what the data limitations are. Do you have to go to detail level 21 or something? I don't know what that is. Cookie, you might, you might know a little bit about the, the level of details yeah. on that. Well, okay. First of all, the the black shark AI thing, it's very difficult to create, you know, the side of buildings when you mostly see the top. So, uh I did see that with the uh, with certain uh houses and buildings. Uh as you get closer to the ground, it becomes well, most most of the the autogen is is mostly procedural. And because you have uh, physically based rendering with PBR, um Essentially, the quality doesn't really deteriorate as you get closer to those procedurals, uh, especially with textures. Um, and that's that's the beauty of it. These things can can really handle it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's 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 how we can deal with a lot of these things. Now, yes, it's going to look a lot like FSX uh, sometimes because there, there's not that amount of extra little detail to tell you. Well, this is. Uh, a personalized buildings in quotations here where you have uh oh well there's flowers and a balcony here and there's uh, a bike uh, just below you know there's there's all these little details that you could add um but then you'd see the same thing all over the place because they're procedurals and there's only so many procedurals you can add before you really start to make this some heavy yeah. well i didn't i wasn't i wasn't talking about those necessarily but when i was talking about like melted into the buildings it it looks like uh, it looks like it was painted onto a partially symmetrical building. Like sometimes a building will be melted. Like I, I don't yeah. I don't know if any of you are ex like how to explain it, but I matched it with another guy in here, so I know it's not just like me or I'm messing with my settings or I need to update a driver or something like that. The pre-caching, I'm definitely gonna check that and get back to who was it? Full, not flying cookie. Who was it that said to said that? But I'll, I'll get back to both of you. Yeah, oh, I um, my CVS, because I keep referencing it, because it's the first thing I noticed as I was flying down the road. I'm like, okay, I think I know where I am. I, I should turn it. Now, I will admit, it was kind. It was the right shape about 80%. Right. The front, one of the corners where the entrance to CVS is, it has a strange kind of windowed in real life. And it was trying to render that as best it could. So it, it kind of had a polygon sort of a triangular yeah. oddness to the front of it. But again, when I went up to about 300 feet, 400 feet and looped back, the higher I went, the more correct that detail looked. So I, I'm sure it has to do with that. And I'm sure it's the AI attempting to paint that as much as it possibly can. It could be that if you cached it, it could grab a little bit more information. 
it and so it would look a little bit sharper. Because you're down but I would, gigs, I would, depending on where you're yeah. looking at. Yeah. So. It's just in the settings it says pre-caching? Yeah, so essentially it's okay. trying to... So that way you're downloading textures, you're just keeping them afterwards. Right, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with like the metropolitan areas that maybe they've had somebody who's done some brushing on the areas there so that they already have some things like that pre-cached. Yeah. And then they can match it with new things and, and paint it on. But like the buildings like like um, Far Isles was saying before, yeah. were, you know, 80% accurate, but they were kind of, they weren't, sim they weren't like symmetrical, you know, they weren't, you could tell it was painted on that. That's all. And, and, um. Yeah, and don't forget I mean, we're only at the beginning, right? This 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 right, has right, been out right. for only a few days. So after a year of development and once it gains more maturity, then I guess we could go back and, and visit it again and see the difference. Uh, and I really hope I, no, my thing was that. I was just hoping that they were either partnering with a, a you know somebody to make this to enhance it, or if they were aware, like I'm sure they're partially aware, but it just seemed like when I searched the web, I cannot find anything on this and like nobody was nobody's talking about it and i was just i, I didn't understand why i figure like that'd be a, a big issue at three thousand feet they nailed it the game is amazing i'm not trying to put the game down at all it's just you know the, the little details do matter i totally agree with you on that yeah and yeah, yeah i think that's even, something they'll fix slowly so i was gonna say even pre-caching um i pre-cached a whole section of a uh, medium-sized town and I still had a bunch of stuff that just looked like melted polygons. Mm. Um, I flew over my mom's house. Actually, it's just, just outside of town. And it's not even there. There's a bunch of trees where it should be. And mm. it's been there for like 20 years. And I'm like, uh, that's kind of weird. Um, what that, location is it? That's all or... by... It's in Prescott, Arizona. So it's, mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's not a is it big a 3D city. area in Bing? Did you happen to look at it in Bing to see if it's a 3D area? It like ours in South be. Florida? have to go look at it again yeah, i looked at where I, in Arizona. my home state you know where i was born and it does not have the photogrammetry it's near cleveland it's about 30 miles south of cleveland it was pretty good i haven't looked to see if my house is actually there um it is in the bing footage but it's gonna probably have to be auto genned because it doesn't have that photogrammetry data but again anything from about even eight or 900 feet up, it's going to be much sharper. It's just if you're flying down at like street level or rooftop level, we've never, ever been able to do that. No sim has ever, if they've done it, they've done it because they've actually physically modeled every single building in a limited area. But because they're trying to do the entire world at at least some level of similarity, where they have more, they'll do more, but where they don't, they're trying to make it kind of like a base level that they can add on. You've never been able to fly. If you did, it was all modeled. It was all like toy models of, you know, little square buildings with, you know, little black squares for windows. And oh, man. that's the only way. Yeah, it's the only way you could yeah. do it. I mean, back then we thought, hey, it's, it looks great. Well, we it's didn't just have the that, data, right? We were just missing. No, not at all. Everything. didn't have the tech. And you didn't have the hardware to run it. You couldn't have run it if they had the data. You well, wouldn't e have had the hardware in even now technically we don't really have the the hardware to run it most people no. are running you know 30 fps so yeah it'll be interesting to see you know with the next generation because well again i hope 
this references every single podcast we talked before because it's a reoccurring theme uh, theme uh, where you know the simulator is the benchmark and uh, and that way you can yeah it's always forward uh, right. the, the sims always programmed for the future hardware releases for the future yeah. GPUs for the future CPUs uh, and it's a uh, it's a simulator that's supposed to be running for at least quite a few years. Uh, we're estimating maybe seven to ten years because this seems to well, be going again, this way. Because it's Microsoft, you have all those years of the past. But because so many, so much of the technology is new, and the people that are actually creating it are completely new to it, we're also going to have to look at it as if it's like X Plane, the first year it came out. This is kind of like a reset. I don't like to use that word, but it really is because. People they used FSX as a kind of scaffolding, but as they improved, they kind of chucked away most of the legacy. So Asobo was working on the scaffolding of FSX, but they were developing something completely new. So it's kind of going to be like P3. Well, P3D was more closely integrated with FSX. I worked on one called Fly, which was probably none of you probably even know this sim. I did a little bit of writing. For them and um that's what they were attempting to do they were attempting to make the most realistic flight model and cockpits possible the problem was that most of those aircraft were ga aircraft and the scenery it wasn't that it was dreadful it was so completely inaccurate you couldn't figure out where you were going you couldn't even recognize coasts so literally it's like flying in an imaginary world and it just didn't people kind of rebel they were you know, they were aggravated. The cockpits looked fantastic. Planes flew pretty well. But even then, if they had gotten that a little bit right, let's use Flight Simulator as an example, that we've got it pretty good, especially at altitude, but the people were not willing to give it enough time for them to go through a year or two with little updates all along the way, maybe two or three updates a year. Back then, that was considered a lot. Uh, they didn't give them the time, and so they, you know, they disappeared. I'm thinking that Microsoft now it's kind of similar, except we're going to be getting more frequent updates. It'll be interesting to see what the world update in September is going to be like. How many things does it fix? What does it address? You know, because if it addresses a lot of, you know, the water physics, they fixed the trees already, but there's still some more. So if they start tackling these the bridges if they just get the bridges right and you know they're not underneath the water and some of those things it'll give people a lot of confidence to say wow this one month they managed to fix x percentage of issues so i think that um that world update is going to be an important one yeah do you agree cookie hell yeah i mean that's the thing right slowly as you build through it gets better and we're probably not going to see many differences because they're going to be incremental uh, and lastly, you know, all that scenery is streamed to us. So it's apart from the offline scenery, they don't really have to update it and send it to us through the traditional means of downloading uh, everything beforehand. And then you can run your sim again. Now it's mostly, you know, boom, you have you just you just play your sim and then the scenery just just going through it uh, through the Internet and uh, gets to your simulator and you're just getting the latest textures. Uh, yeah. that's what I like about it. And, I remember uh, the old, yeah. oh, sorry. Okay. I remember the old Ultima online. It was this, you know, before the, the massively uh, multiplayer games, but back in the day, long time ago, 
you'd log on and there'd be this unbelievable update that you had to have to the world. And you'd sit there and, you know, the internet was slow back then. I think it was a 56K. It was before broadband. And I mean, it was like five, six, 700 megabytes, which is a joke to us now. But back then, you'd want to play the game and it's like five hours that you had to download this update and it had to go on your hard drive. So you had to make sure you had space for it. And this, literally, they'll be making these changes and updates. And the world updates are basically going to be information to us saying, by the way, when you go over these locations now, it's been taken care of. It's not something that you had to necessarily, all of it, download to your physical hard drive. It's just going to be there. You're going to turn it on, and you're going to suddenly fly over these places. And whatever those issues are are going to be better. So that's a kind of a nice uh, perk. Um, I'd like to say something. Um, sure. I noticed today um, about the simulator, I saw a Jacksepticeye video and a PewDiePie video. Now, this is a little off, talk, off topic from what we've been talking about, but um, they were about Microsoft Flight Simulator, and that blew my mind. I could not believe that PewDiePie and Jacksepticeye were making videos about Microsoft Flight Simulator, and I didn't believe at first that this sim would be revolutionary for the... Um, gaming community and bringing in people that had never uh been interested in flight before but after seeing that today it really it just it amazed me you know like this is going to be such a big such a huge game for kids all around the world gamers all around the world who aren't used to this this type of sim and this type of gaming experience it's going to bring so many people to the aviation world and i i just i can't wait to see what effect this game has on um has on the gaming community and uh, on tech uh, technology hobby hobbyists as a whole, it's going to be, I think, revolutionary. I just yeah, it's certainly really a good sign. It's it's that's a good sign. As as much publicity and as much attention as it can get. I just mentioned in the um, podcast text. Not only is it adding numbers to the hobby, it's also going to keep Asobo and Microsoft on their toes to say, wow, we've got all of this attention. There is a lot of hype. There is a lot of expectation. Yeah. Some people will have no experience with a flight simulator. So that expectation might be too high or completely, they don't know what to expect other than just the trailers they've seen. Right. So they, gotta, they have to live up to that. So mm -hmm. it, it works, I think in a couple ways, but I think it's great news. I think it's you know, amazing, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, great. Xbox they said has 90 million uh registered gamers can you imagine if 90 million 90 million so can you imagine if they get 20 percent to take a look at it that'd be amazing 18 million people <laughs> i think so many kids are going to be inspired to become pilots eventually in their lives from just because of the sin i honestly believe that and past like once we get all past coronavirus and this whole big deal of course i i think that the pilot shortage will come back um because air travel is it's taking a temporary hit right now, but later on in um in the future in the coming decades it'll I'm sure it'll come back. But this sim, I feel like this sim could generally gen genuinely help um aid toward that and Good. help get some more pilots in the system, you know? I don't know how long you've been using Flight Simulator, but if there's anybody in here that's over, you know, forty you're going to know, you're going to remember how Flight Simulator 
just it drew so many people to to buying a, their first computer a lot of people it was the reason uh, why they wanted the computer oh, i want to play that game it was it, for me it was i was like oh i didn't have a computer i didn't know anything about them literally as a birthday present my grandma was like i'll buy a computer but you have to know how to use it and i'm like how can i know how to use it if i don't have one she's like i don't care i want you to know what you're doing to some degree if i'm going to spend and back then it was thousands of dollars really expensive yeah and you know i bought a i bought a, a windows 95 for dummies because it had just come out i was like hmm. well i have to figure out how to you know what what you use to to run it and then i bought another one on how to build i think building a pc for dummies or something so i could learn what the parts were and but it was because of flight simulator i saw somebody at school one of the professors in the computer class had that on on one of the pcs i'm like what what are you doing there and it's oh and ever since then it just sucks so i think it will help there are going to be people who are xbox or xbox gamers that have no idea other than, oh, I just want to fly over my house. I'm going to crash into my yeah. school, whatever. But some <laughs> of them are going to discover they really love flying, and then they're not going to realize it. There's going to be people that are going to start this to sightsee or to do GTA, you know, crash into my mom at the grocery yeah. store, or whatever they're going to do. But they're going to be like, wow, I really like this. And they're going to end up having a lifetime of interest, maybe getting their private pilot's license, literally because of Flight Simulator, because that's what happened in the past. So I think yeah. you're completely right. I yeah, saw that I agree with the exposure I... as well. Yeah, you, you can go first if you want. Okay, yeah. Uh, I just want to kind of reiterate that same point because Microsoft's been trying to push a lot more uh, exposure this time compared to before uh, because they have, first of all, a much more dominant position right now. Um, they do have Windows. They do have an Xbox. They already have a whole gaming division. Um, and they're launching a lot of, uh, of games themselves. Uh, so I think this time they're really trying to push this forward, uh, just pushing it finally to to all the gamers because we've always been stuck in this little niche with a little marketplace for different people on on different websites uh, and and little add-ons. It's it's never really grown to be something uh, immense, and we've had you know P3D and and FSX and the next plane and all of them had their little things, but they all had their positives and negatives. And for some people, some of those negatives could have been, you know, you have to buy add-ons for this sim to really be something. Uh, and it has to be, of course, a lot of money as a result. Um, thousands of dollars, actually. Other people, it's, well, this simulator is nice, but it's kind of the same iteration of another simulator, and it's not really amazing, because, well, it's kind of the same thing. They really need to rework the whole engine. And the third one is, of course, well, this is getting old now. It's very cheap, and a lot of people are using it for different purposes. So after a while, you have this, the, the simulator community doesn't die, because it, people are always going to fly, but it really slows down. And then Microsoft comes up and says, well, you know what, we're going to create something again. Uh, we've seen failed attempts with uh, Flight Sim World uh, Flight. There's been there's been a few of those that sadly failed. Um, and now finally they learned from those mistakes and they said, you know what, we can actually make something. We can make it more accessible to gamers overall because if you can get a bigger market, you know, this is, this is Microsoft's strategy. It really does not change from its other products. You can get a lot more out of it. Um, and Microsoft is going for this right now. That's why it's on Steam. 
that's what it's going to be on the Xbox as well. It's if you can get a lot of people to go around and buy the simulator, you can get your little cuts slowly through the marketplace. Uh, and that doesn't yeah. differ from what the Xbox itself is, right? You have an Xbox, you buy an Xbox, and then you have, uh, well, the games for the Xbox. So if you have a CD player, you can be lucky because you can then buy and sell from different people because you have a physical copy. Uh, if you're stuck without that, then you have to buy from their own store. So you're kind of stuck in an ecosystem. But at the same time, Microsoft is still getting a cut, and that's how they're making their profit. They're selling their console at a loss or at a very small profit most of the time. So this is where they're doing the same with the simulator. They're saying, hey, guys, this time we need to bring it to a lot more people than just a small community. We're not trying to get uh, all this money, investment, and time and effort for 50000 or or 100000 We want to see if we can reach a few million at least. And you telling me that uh, PewDiePie and other YouTubers are really going into this and saying, well, you know what, let's fly the simulator, let's have fun, let's see what we can do with this. It just means that they have essentially achieved what they wanted, uh, and that's to show at least to everyone, hey, we exist. That's all they need. That's all they need. Just with the visuals, they already have their tools to attract the people. They just needed the community itself to react, just the world to say, oh, they exist. And that's all they needed, and now they have the traction slowly gaining and uh, as far as pilot said, yes, now they have these expectations. They're going to have to work for it, for it. And they're going to have to make sure it's updated and uh, keep those features moving. So, yeah, very exciting times indeed. So, you know what You know what branches off of the YouTubers getting into the sim? So, say you're some little kid. You're like, you're like some 10-year-old at your house watching PewDiePie, right? You see him go on the sim. And you see him go to his house, right? You feel something in yourself, right? You're like, oh, that's actually cool. You go and get the sim yourself, and you you get into it. PewDiePie's voice and Jacksepticeye's voice, those two people, have such a large outreach and such a huge influence on millions of people, and it's gonna it's gonna bring so many people into the into the sim. And also, you know what else I noticed on Twitch? I've never seen a flight simulator so high um, uh, yeah. in the viewing in the viewing um, ranks. It's so high. It's it's like right next to Fortnite, which is it's kind of crazy if you think about it, having a simulator up there, you know? It's, it's kind of got, grabbed people's attention. It's really amazing. It's very surprising knowing the the same state of the community a year or two years ago. It, it was really the complete opposite. Yeah, it's and it's finally changing, right? We're finally seeing it yeah. more evolve. So uh, this is just the beginning. See where it leads us, right? Right. That's what I, I, got love about it. I got a question. Sure, go ahead. Uh, do you guys expect explain? I mean, expect to release a gateway like Explain did. Hope so. Me too. Okay. Do you so... think? I hope so. I think it would be a a vital thing that will expand as well because a Sobo can't take care of every single street corner. It can't take over every airport that needs a a fuel drum outside of one building or an airstrip. So I, mm -hmm. I think it's. It would be so important to have that kind of addition mm -hmm. that we can actually. I still think that they should be submitted. I would like at least for some kind of submission, not because you know you want to be elitist, but you want a certain quality level and a certain standard. So anything that might appear through the marketplace, um, maybe at least you kind of know. Okay, 
yeah. yeah, you'd have a sort of not only the rating system, which will help, but Microsoft actually looking at it themselves and saying, you know what, this is good enough that we're going to kind of put our seal of approval behind it and we're going to show. And it would, you know what else it'll do? There's a lot of people that are suspicious of Microsoft's motives about money and, oh, it's just going to be a DLC fest and everything's going to be an extra charge and blah, 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 blah. To put some freeware, especially, you know, the seal of approval, to put some freeware up there with it would kind of dampen that suspicion because it would say, look, we're not only, you know, showing you things that you can buy, we're showing you things that you might have a talent for, or maybe it's a hidden talent that you don't even know you have. I've never used the SDK. I don't know if I can. I want to add a couple airstrips. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to, but I'm going to hit cookie up and you're going to help me. But uh, you sure. just didn't know that till now. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. um, surprise, I need, an airport. I need an airport on one of those French Polynesian islands if it's just a piece of concrete. So I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to try. And I would never have thought to ever try before, but it just seems like the motivation is there. I think the motivation will be there with a lot of people. So the gateway, Cookie, what do you think? I think it's something that really would expand that audience. Well, yeah, it's it's all about having different areas where you can submit uh, essentially add-ons files. Right. For for me, it's kind of does it on its own because you're going to have people who are going to want to do this. You're going to have people who are going to want to host this. You're going to have people who are going to want to be part of it somehow. Right. Um, and I think overall what you're looking at is everyone's going to create their own little system and one is going to rise to the top. We've seen that, you know, we've already referenced it. Uh, AV Sim, Riku, Flyway Simulation and all those. And they've all been ones that were created from small communities uh, that grew and essentially said, well, you know, we need, we need a server so we can have uh, our 10 add-ons. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And after they said, well, okay, guys, uh, we have a website now and uh, we're hosting it. It's free for you guys to download. Uh, buy a subscription if you want to help us for the hosting because it's a lot of gigs and there's a lot of bandwidth going through and, and it grows and it becomes a website. Um, and then you can share all your add-ons and of course you can have the user base that takes care of saying, well, this is a good add-on, this is a bad add-on. This is kind of a way that's been done. If Microsoft, which I'm not sure they will just because it's a lot of work on its own, you need a Microsoft uh, employee that knows mods and add-ons that can tell you quickly if it's a good add-on, if it's a bad add-on, and have that seal of approval is itself a weight that Microsoft might not want to have and just be you know, risk-free. So they will say, well, you know what, we, we won't ourselves say this is good or this is bad because, you know, seven years from now, they would still have to do it unless they say we discontinue this. And if they say we discontinue this, then people might start thinking, oh, they've discontinued their, in quotes, seal of approval. Now, does that mean they're discontinuing the game? And they don't want that kind of bad, I would not say PR, but they don't want that kind of rumors going in the background. Uh so that would be an extra weight that they would have to hold on until they really say, okay, we're done with the sim here. Here's your next iteration or whatever plans they have uh, later in the future. Uh, so I'm not sure if they're willing to go that route, but at least have a little hosting area for a freeware. 
and then probably we will ourselves moderate it through rating systems and uh, and I guess there could be some some users that verify those themselves right so it's community driven that would probably be a little uh, safer for Microsoft okay I hope that answers the I hope that answers the question I Me think too. they're gonna try I think they're gonna try to accommodate as much as they can in order to reach in order to provide as much as what people are are requesting I think they're gonna try to do I don't think they're gonna just say no 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 we're we're gonna going to shut off these various areas because we want to control them 100%. Uh, if, the, if it's doable and it makes sense for what they're trying to achieve, yeah. um, I think they're going to try to accommodate if they can because it seems like they're pretty willing to... Well, it's clear they're trying to reach a huge audience. I, I wonder if they're aware of what we were told tonight about these uh, famous gamers that are actually playing The Sim. They've got millions of followers. It's that's really I'm sure they're aware of that. At the very least, they know who is is playing the sim that has a big audience. They they're probably tracking this, um, and they probably themselves gave a key to PewDiePie, for example, and and told them, hey, here, enjoy, and you know, have a video, tell us what you think of it. Right? That that would be common practice. Smart. If if PewDiePie himself bought the sim, downloaded it, installed it himself, and said, you know what, let's have a try with this game, that would be a little more impressive. And I would say PewDiePie has an interest in that game. He believes this would be a game his community would be interested in and therefore would be a video he would make and as a result would have a potential market through that community. And, and that would even be like 10 times better. So this is why companies sometimes say, well, here's a key, have it, play it. And so that way, you know, it's it's easier. There's there's there, You don't need to have that look. Uh, and some companies do that, and it works really well. Other times, it's it's more annoying because we all know that's the game that gets advertised all the time here and there, and we kind of ignore it. Um, but overall, yeah, they did a really good job in in, in getting the attention from uh, the gamer community out there. Smart. It's good. Yeah, but to add on to that, I mean, a person like PewDiePie, you gotta keep in mind, he has, what, 100 million subscribers? Even if they gave him, even if they gave him a key, that's still impressive. I mean, if, like, that means he still wanted to play, I mean, he's a multi-millionaire. Why does he care to pay $60 for a game, you know? To make well, thousands of dollars from that video. It's not the, the financial gain, it's no, the it's marketing not that. gain. But if he turns around and says, wow, isn't this fan? It depends on what his reaction was. If he really had a really good reaction and, oh, my God, look at this. This is incredible. And it was believable. It wasn't that – I mean, he w he probably wouldn't do something like that just to get a key because he's got more money than – you know, he's not worried about $60. He's not worried about $120 to buy it. So if he's giving it a rave review or if he's really having fun and he's really liking it, I mean, if you've got 100 million people, that's – that's free advertising that you just yeah you could and, never you could never pay for that. I mean overall it's marketing 101 at the end right? Uh, if if for even sure. just the name is in one of the videos, by the time the video is not negative, it's it's already a profit. So 
yeah, it's just a matter yeah. of getting the name out there and people seeing it. And if it's a reaction that's positive, then it's even better. If he's enjoying it, it's even better. And it can only go, you know, better from there. If it's a mild reaction, which I would not understand where that would come from. I mean, we all had this little wow reaction where we had the sim in our hands for the first time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he would have the same. And, you know, people that do oh, videos wow. like this uh. are very expressive. They will they will say their thoughts. They will say, you know, all these things that they think about. So they will be usually very honest about it. So they'll just say, oh, I like this. I don't like that. And that is still good feedback. And, you know, Microsoft, I, I'm guessing they're also listening to that. So overall, it's, it's kind of a win-win situation. Does anybody also, know what his... Uh, oh. No, go ahead. Uh, I saw plenty of people upload, and you gotta keep in mind, these people that uploaded, they're not like simulation YouTubers. They're not people that play flight simulators. They're people that play comedy games. Like, they make you laugh, you know? They're not those types of people that, you know, they play simulators. They try to make you laugh yeah. and just mess around in games. And so basically, Microsoft made it so the game is appealing even to a person that has no idea what they're doing and you know they're they usually play different types of games so i don't do think we... microsoft i mean uh, target was just pilots i think they're trying to get to out to everyone which is good for them well they are it's obviously why the xbox uh they were very smart though what xbox. Yeah, what they what they did here is they made sure they release it on PC first because once they release it on Xbox, if they would have done that simultaneously, people would have said, Oh, that's the only reason why you're back. You just want a bunch of GTA Fortnite people, you know, smashing their building into their, you know, their plane into their school or whatever. They made sure that the initial offering was very centered on us, so to speak, but their intention is to try to make them, so to speak, join our ranks say look you may have a love of this we're going to make it as accessible as we can and out of that large group of people you know there's going to be enough interest that who knows how many people they're going to draw into the hobby but of course it's their intention they have the 90 million people that they're exposing it to i would be curious to find out if anybody watched the pewdiepie's uh gaming session with flight simulator what his reaction was you know was he tepid about it what is he like oh okay this is or was he enthusiastic? Because that could have quite a bit of a quite a bit of a say. So I'm I'll, curious if anybody's seen it. I'll Let just I'll just I'll just mention another uh, pretty popular streamer. I was mentioning it in the podcast text, but yesterday, Doctor Disrespect mm -hmm. streamed the game, mm -hmm. and I think something I looked after he shut the stream down. Something like six hundred fifty thousand views for the stream just wow. in a short, you know, it was roughly like a one hour session. And wow. he, he, I don't know if anybody knows his story, but he's been talking about interest in this game genuinely for a while. And when he had streamed it yesterday, he went on multiplayer with all players turned on and it just drove a flood <laughs> of viewers and players to the San Jose area. I'm talking, it was a sky full of slow-moving prop planes because he was flying an uh, Nikon. Oh and, you know, he originally didn't have it set uh, on, you know, realistic settings and stuff. 
um, picked up the game, started flying around, and, and kind of just you can genuinely tell he was kind of having a good time. Good. And uh, and then, you know, people were like, turn on realistic settings. So he did that. And, you know, you could see he was struggling a bit and without some of the assists on and whatnot. But you could also tell that he started to, you know, appreciate that that realism a bit, at least from what that's kind of what I gathered from his reaction. But just to see, uh, you know, a, a really popular streamer like that, not only bring that many viewers to this simulator game, but also create this influx of players to join in on the fun, like immediately, you know, live in the stream. So like, I mean, Maybe that's a good example of what, you know, something that happened recently in terms of podcasters and having kind of a good experience. Although I will say, I, I believe he's from that San Jose area in real life. And uh, he was flying around and, and was honestly a little disappointed by some of the lack of detail. And I think he had mentioned that one uh, MLS soccer stadium wasn't even there it was just an old photo and unfortunately you could hear the disappointment in his voice um and you know then he started you know saying you know kind of thinking okay well if that's missing then you know kind of instantly kind of instantly brought him down and he was just started to point out other stuff like oh man this is all right but then you know he was saying like oh look at that look at this etc but um so you know we're we all have to remember too is that this game's what a week old yeah <laughs> not even um this, and, this game is and, less than a week old and it's already and, getting so much attention yeah and up. so i you know we have to be a little cautious here right that you know when we say oh look at all the attention the game has but it is a fresh new game and that in itself draws people you know but i will say that it seems like this the release of this game has kind of brought the divide in this flight sim community back together where you know previously you had people people split off into x plane mm-hmm. there was a community there and you know um people stuck with fsx and there was a community there and, and these other various little niche games that kind of separated the community but now we're back mm-hmm. together in a sense and I think that in itself is just rad, you know, just how busy this discord room is and just the various people that I've met in the past couple of days and talked to. And I mean, it's just been a blast. Like it's fun. It's funny. All of this experience has been incredible so far. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, as someone that's been doing flight sim for over 12 years, I've seen the flight sim community, you know, grow with the initial release of FSX. But as soon as, you know, X-Plane and Prepared and like DCS started coming out with their stuff, it sort of plateaued. Then with the release of Microsoft Flight Sim, it it just sort of, like you said, it brought everybody together. Not only that, brought brought in way more people too with the amount of attention it's got. I'm I'm actually damn happy to see, you know, this community like come together and also grow. Around this time too, man. Nice I want to go come back. back. Want to go back to a point. Um, we we did mention, you know, all, all and, and it's amazing, right? We're getting a lot of things written with the computer, but why aren't we not getting the Xbox version? I want to go back to that point as well. Um, 
waiting for the Xbox version is also a way... Okay, so there's a few things. First of all, the new Xbox is going to get released. Same for the PlayStation. Even though I'm not going to see a port for the X... Uh, sorry, for the PlayStation and maybe ever. Because it's Microsoft. They're not going to give them a, any, uh, any free points here. Uh, but overall... If everyone, and right now we're seeing a really successful response, if that response continues over time, and we're looking, you know, for another few months here, uh, that's going to hype those that don't necessarily have a high-end computer to look forward towards buying the next Xbox, right? This is this is always Microsoft having um, one big product that has multiple uses for it. And most companies do that, right? I'm pretty sure Microsoft and this software uh, is also testing different types of encryptions, right? They're saying, hey, look, we've developed this. Uh, could you add it to the simulator so we can test it and see what it looks like uh, after this amount of time? There is DRM in the add-ons now. So who knows? That could be part of it. But the real point here is if you hype everyone and the hype continues afterwards, which is the case right now, with the PC version, you're hyping the community that does not necessarily have the ability to play the simulator. These guys are going to get hyped. They're going to say, well, I want to play this. I know I can't get it on the PC. It's going to happen, though, on the Xbox. And because the Xbox is releasing, I think, in November, they're, they're going for the holiday season. Uh, we know that right now it's not very easy, right? You know, there is the COVID, and we could go very in-depth in this, but shortly... Um, there is a lot of issues with uh, the supply management of uh, of different components for graphic cards, right? Especially things like gold, um, which are very high in prices, and uh, just the manufacturing. They can do it, but it's just going to be a little more expensive than before the COVID. Uh, that means that they're probably going to play around with the prices. They do not want to make a profit on the console itself, they're always trying to sell as little of margin, if not um, a loss, just so they can get the people out there. It has to be cheap enough so more people buy it. Um, and they're having that trouble. So if they're using, and for me it seems to be the case, they're using the simulator in advance to push people to think Xbox instead of PlayStation, then that might be another advantage that they're really pulling on right now uh, because that's going to be fierce competition for the, the consoles uh, during the holiday season. So they're really trying to push that forward. And uh, we're, we're going to see how well it ends up going with, uh, with the prices uh, and how you know both companies respond to, to the, each other. Uh, but for me, the flight simulator is one of those weapons that they're using uh, in advance to hype for a console and therefore get even more people into the simulator uh, just through different uh, hardware. That's it. But they can grab those people afterwards. They're hyped. They're going to come in and, uh, well, imagine what Christmas is going to look like with everyone in multiplayer. That's going to be a lot of people in there. That's going to be fun as well. Uh, something about the consoles, though. I don't think this... I'm Okay, I'm not sure about this, but I don't know if they're going to release this game on the old gen because now, if I think about it, so I have a 1080 and a 770K, right? And on high settings, I'm probably running, I mean, I don't know how much FPS, but sometimes when I go into the big cities, I get these random lag spikes and stuff like that. So if you think about it, the old gen uh, consoles, they have a lot worse specs than most computers. 
And I feel like a lot of the people got hyped about this game because, oh, look how awesome the graphics look. But then some kid gets this game for like $1 from the Xbox Pass. And he's like, oh, I'm so excited to see these graphics. But uh, little does he know he's on an old gen console and the graphics are just not going to look as good. So... Yeah, I mean, there's a few points you could say in here. Um, we, we, I think we can agree that the difference between the recommended and the minimum specs are almost the same thing. It's, it's very close. People think it's, it's very different because they're not the same thing and so on. But for me, they're, they're, I could almost say they're the same thing. Like the difference between a 770 and a, a 970 is maybe a difference of 20, 30 FPS. But at this point, you're getting into cards that you can buy you know, fairly cheaply right now. If you look on the third, uh, I was going to say a third party, but if you look on the used market, uh, you can find those cards, you know, fairly cheap. Um, so you're going to want anything above. Now, don't don't forget that Microsoft at the very beginning, they said, hey, guys, we have this new simulator. We're building it and we'd like to get people to test it. And one of the things they did then was say, send us your DXDAG. And your DXDAG is a computer file that gives you absolutely everything. So in that XML, you get all your specs, you get any uh, anything that's connected to it, like uh, your joysticks, uh, your yokes, and whatever peripherals you have with it, as well as the drivers and all, you know, the, the version of Windows that you have and so on and so on. And that's a lot of uh, different things that are grabbed in that file. And that gave Microsoft the, I'm not going to say power, because it's not the power. Of course, you always have power with data, but it gave them the advantage of knowing the people that were very interested, what specs they had and what peripherals they had and what, you know, they were expecting, of course, through the, the, the rest, which was... Uh, in this case, they had a little thing to fill out you know, with the different questions, a little survey. So they kind of had both and they paired it together to understand what the expectations were. Um, so that gave them the data and they said, okay, well, this is what we should target as our minimum spec recommended. So we know most people here are having a 970 or above, which is the equivalent of you know an RX 580 or even a 470 actually and above. Uh, and that meant that Older consoles, especially on the Xbox, are not necessarily going to run it extremely well. But if they really work hard, they could work something out. It's not going to be amazing. It's going to work it out. And don't forget, most people here play at least 1080p and, and on, but you might be able to do some upscaling with 720p and, and work forward on that uh, with an older console. But if they're releasing this sim, they want to make sure that it's for the next generation. They're trying to sell consoles at the same time. So they're going to tell you, well, the next gen is essentially, you know, an RTX 2080, 2080 Ti. And performance, you're getting a very decent CPU. This thing is essentially your recommended specs. And they're putting all that in the console saying, well, here's the price. It's probably $499 or something like that. Uh, it could be down as 399. I really don't know the pricing because there, there's a lot of unknown variables with uh, with the COVID and all of that. But they're selling the console, right? For most of us who are gamers here, we're like, well, I want to play this. I don't know if you realized, but I'm actually getting a decent performance out of old hardware. 
most of my stuff is recommended or you know just above recommended um, and I'm still getting a really good experience it doesn't look laggy even though I'm getting around 20 FPS 25 sometimes 30 where it's gonna lag for you of course I mean you, you do have for example you have uh, a 7700k right so that's already you're looking at four cores eight threads uh, and you're probably going to increase, of course, your frequency above 4.2, 4.5 gigahertz because it's a K variant, then you'd have that. If it's not, then you're stuck to that. You have a GTX 1080, then, you know, that's that's right in the middle there. You're already pretty good. You're above the minimum and required specs. So it's just a matter of tweaking a bit the settings, but you can still get a pretty good experience. Uh, and, and I've seen that different people, even with an, an RX 580 and even lower, you have to drop some settings. You have to make the settings work, right? You have to tinkle with it. You have to uh, just play with it, really. It takes you half an hour. You play with the different settings. You get something. Um, and that's what the console versions are probably going to look like, right? They're going to have modified those settings to see what is the best we can get without reducing the frame rates too much. And we saw this simulator can run 20, 30 FPS while looking very smooth. So you do have this thing that tells you, okay, you don't really need 60 FPS for it to look good. You can go with 30, maybe even 25. Probably would not want to go lower than that. And and for us, we have our own computers. We can choose that. But the Xbox, the old Xbox, they can really choose more than say, well, we need to get 25 FPS, 30 FPS if we can make it look good. That's what they're probably going to do. Um, and they want to wait right now for the simulator to get uh, more worked on and have certain features that are done before they start porting it. I don't know if they're actually starting porting now, but at least you know they, they really want to make sure they have the basic features and the bugs, uh, the bigger versions at least of the bugs removed out. So it's just tiny little things they can fix. They throw it in the old one. They say, okay, if you want the old one, here you go. And then they put their new Xbox for one and say, hey, this will run it at max like a computer. Buy this, it'll last you another seven years. That's what they're doing. And so it's going to be better than your computer hardware right now. And so you're going to be thinking, should I go with an Xbox, which is going to be, you know, let's say 600 bucks at worst, or should I upgrade a new computer? Well, a new computer could be, you know, a thousand, two thousand bucks, or you can get at worst a $600 console and you can still run everything at ultra. So that's kind of the, the marketing plot that they're putting here, right? So even if you have bad settings now, you'll be able to get something at least decent in, in the next few months. And that's what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. It's I know I know I'm rambling a lot, but uh, it's it's all the plan. You know, Microsoft is is not gonna just create something and leave it aside. They're gonna use everything yeah. together. And it works this way. Open, um, for them to continue this project because I think after they clear some of the bugs good about a year, this is gonna be the best sim of all, but it's X Plane, P three D and all of them. I think that's the intention down the road is that at first I was a little worried. I thought, oh, maybe they're gonna do what they've always done in the past where they've always had the best graphics and the most coverage of the world, but maybe they won't attempt to compete with the flight model. And there was some, yeah, there was some things coming out during the testing that kind of hinted that the flight model was off and there are still issues, but like Cookie and I described earlier, there's a bit of a, a learning curve for the user and it's a bit of a learning curve for them. While they're trying to fix the dynamics in relation to how the weather and the air mass and things that have never been simulated to this degree or simulated before affect the aircraft and its dynamics, there's a large chunk of the population who's been flying 
with dynamics that they've been told are extremely realistic and they're missing some of this modeling. It's never been in there. So despite the fact that they are thinking, yeah, I'm flying as realistic as it can get on a simulation for the computer, it was off by more than they expected. So there's a learning curve for them to accept that, okay, the way that this feels feels wrong, but only part of that wrongness is correct. For a Sobo, part of that wrongness is down to needing to perfect the dynamic, but part of the wrongness is actually correct. So this flight model thing is going to go on. And to be honest, Microsoft is not known for kind of competing in a way that, oh, let's bring in as, as much competition as we can, and we'll all rub elbows and share the space. And they're not known for that. So I think publicly, the friendly face and, 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 and the willingness and the things that they're doing is one thing, but I think they want the pride of having that flight model really put to rest the debate with any sim that's older than it is right now. And they're going to get there. I think their intention is to get there. And they're going to do that through all of these updates. But it's going to take a little time, just like when X-Plane came out, because people are forgetting. What did X-Plane Vanilla look like the first week it was ever released? They could come back and say, yeah, but Flight Simulator has been around for 38 years. This is such a different technology and such a different version with a completely different set of developers. It's nothing like even FSX, except that they use the bones of FSX to build the structure. But like you do with a building, once you're done with the scaffolding, once you built the skyscraper, you chuck the scaffolding. The scaffolding is what held it up until it was made, and then it was dispensed with. I think the legacy is in there for people that want to see the difference between the FSX flight dynamics and the modern ones. But I think their intention is to gain the respect of the community as well as the interest of new users by having the most realistic, expansive simulator that they can. They've given us the most expansive world. So now tweaking those dynamics so the air mass is correct while informing the user, listen, this is something brand new. It's going to feel strange. But we are confident now after six, eight months, whatever it's going to be, that they're going to make these incremental, small but significant and important changes. They're going to do it to the world. They're going to do it to the sim. They're going to do it. It, how they connect with Xbox and all these new people in the marketplace, that all of these things are going forward. The development roadmap points to a long mm -hmm. a commitment. So it's coming. It's We're just going to have to be a little patient, just like we were when you know uh, X-Plane was released in the beginning without any of the add-ons, without any of the external support. So if we're patient, in our understanding and our expectations, it's gonna come. And I think it's gonna come faster than it did uh, with these other Sims. I think the team is bigger, the budget is way bigger, and there's a lot more to lose now because they're bringing in these masses of people. And even if they get 20% of them, you can't disappoint 18 million people, especially if they're new, because they're not gonna have the patience. They're not gonna have the memories of the past or other simulators to compare it to and say oh you know i'll give it some time they're expecting you know what they've been shown they don't have an understanding of what's been in the past 
So the bar has been set high. They need to be kept satisfied. Not that we don't deserve it, but we understand and we can give a little bit more patience. We know what it's like. But they want these new people. They want to keep these new people. And the only way you're going to do that is to try to keep those expectations at some achievable, impressive level. So yeah, I think they're aiming for it. Don't forget also, um, some people did not have a lot of luck buying a, a simulator and coming up with all those issues. And uh, there's been a lot, right? There's been the, the, the launcher, the download, uh, just all of this. Well, we could say it's a bit of a mess. Of course, it's you're going to have a percentage of the people that are going to have an issue. Um, and, well, we've seen it. It's been clear. It's been proven. Um, there is something there. Now, how far is that going to go? I think it's slowly going to be fading out as the bugs get fixed. But there's always going to be that aftertaste for some people saying, well, I kind of want a refund on this because I just can't play it. Um, I think the developers understood that, oh, maybe we do have a lot more people than they anticipated. Uh, because while there is certain things that they could fix, the users themselves could fix, uh, and while there were also some bugs, sometimes there was just the servers themselves were so overloaded. Um, and that meant that people were not getting 100% of the bandwidth that they themselves paid with the, the ISP. And as a result, they were not getting 100% of that bandwidth that they bought. So I'm not sure if they were expecting, you know, everyone that they got during those first 24 hours. They certainly knew what to expect because they had pre-orders and I think that's why they had them. Because pre-orders did not provide a lot of, of useful things for us. It was just, you buy before time and oh, there you go, you have it. And just they just downloaded the launcher ahead of time, which was probably a gigabyte, gigabyte and a half, something like that. It wasn't a, ma a major download. And that's I think that's what they needed for. They just needed someone to say, I'm going to buy the sim now, and hi, I'm going to be someone who's going to download on the first day. And I wish we could have that data, because that would be amazing and very interesting to figure out, you know, what, how many people uh, pre-ordered, how many bought it on, on that same night, how many people downloaded it, how many people are playing right now. There's, there's all that data that, well, they're probably going to jealously keep for now uh, for them. <laughs> that's, that's a big... Uh, that's that's worth a lot for them, uh, but if we could know that data, it would be very interesting to figure out how many people were downloading at once and how did they handle this? Because we had some people that had issues, definitely. Um, but you know, was that something they could have prepared ahead of times? It's a bit of that question. We had that channel for the community uh, support. That's that's still kind of full. There's still a lot of people talking over it. There's still at least a few messages per minute. Uh, so people are still having issues. And I don't know. It, it, is that a small percentage? Is that a 1% of the population? I remember checking a few days ago uh, the ratings on, on the game. And there were about 700 people who rated on the Microsoft Store. And, well, there were about, a, a, we'll say, a very good percentage of of people, maybe 400 or 300, that were very displeased with the simulator giving, you know, one star, two star. So, 
if we look at from that number, it's not a lot. If you only have a few hundred people that are really having issues that are rating one star, then does that mean that the majority of people enjoyed it and managed to get the simulator downloaded fine? I don't know. I don't know. And that, that's something I kind of want to see if they're going to publish because Microsoft's been very transparent with us since uh, since the beginning. And if they're going to give us that information, it would be very interesting to, to have that one, have those numbers. I hope we can get that at least. Uh, now, earlier, I remember Pilot was talking about like new people and stuff. And I have these two points that I wanted to talk about on one is good and the other one is like eh uh so the good thing i really like how accessible they made the game because i remember before probably like two years ago i somehow got my hands on x-plane 11 it was like a free week or something like that i don't remember and i tried playing it and it was basically unplayable without a joystick i mean the it had no keyboard controls and the mouse controls were, I don't know, just unplayable for me. I don't know about other people, if it was just... Yeah, I, I died in two minutes with the mouse. It was... They were it was unplayable. Hopeless. It was so sensitive and stuff like that. I don't know. I couldn't do it at all. It was terrible. And you got to yeah. consider the fact... So basically, to play the game, someone would have to spend $60 on the game, spend another, I don't know, like, what do they cost? Like, $100 for a decent joystick? And, I mean, I don't know if they want, like, a throttle and stuff. That costs even more money. So, basically, to play the game, they would have to pay a minimum of, like, 150 bucks or something like that. Yep. It had a curve. And, yeah, it yeah, definitely had a, here, a monetary curve. Yeah, so, okay, just think about it. A kid, he's like, oh, my God, I want to become a pilot. I really want to try it out, blah, blah. I got a new computer for Christmas. I want to try out a simulator. A kid doesn't have a hundred, a hundred and sixty dollars to try, and he doesn't even know if he's gonna like it. Keep that in mind. I'd just like to point out that when yeah, we say true. gamers, we tend to say gamers and assume kids, but there is a lot of adults who also play games, and I oh, think sure. there is a lot of adults who maybe have been looking at this for a little while and saying, "Well, that looks like something." That I could enjoy watching around, flying and discovering their different places, and you know, going back to you know where I used to live as a kid, and so on and so on. There's we're, we we tend to underestimate that aspect. There's a lot of of uh, adults that sometimes don't really say it out loud, right? But but are also part of this category, and there may be a little more a bigger category than than we think it is. Just want to point that out. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I completely agree with that. But the reason I emphasized kid was because, okay, so it's Corona, right? A kid, I mean, he really can't make money right now, apart from allowances or something like that. And the adult, they, I mean, not all adults, I'll point that out, but they usually have their adult money that they made with their, like, job and stuff like that, you know? That's why I emphasized kid, but overall, for sure. Now, speaking of the other aspect that I was going to talk about, I feel like they need to try to make a little bit better tutorials because, I mean, yeah, they made, like, the Cessna 152 tutorials where it teaches you about, like, instruments and stuff, but I feel like they need to try to teach you about the more in-depth aspects because earlier I was trying to... Because I'm new to flight sims and I have no idea what I was doing and stuff. So 
so I was trying to figure out how to do like a flight where I start at the hangar like thingy where they load the people and not just spawn on the runway, you know, and I couldn't figure it out at all. So I feel like they should teach some of that stuff. Funny thing, because in the panel interview last year with uh, Asobo and Microsoft, they were pretty clear about how the simulator was made for simmers and experienced people, people that will fly, people that know their planes. And they said, this sim is made for you guys first, and you guys are the focus. You guys are the main group that we're still targeting. We're not looking at the more general public. You guys are the first. Then there is the rest. Yeah. But you're the focus. And this is where he said, we're still trying to bring a balance because we want to bring some people in the simulation world as well. Because you have to have a door open for other people to try it out and see if they're interested and if they like it and so on and so on. And that's why things like the checklist system exists. That's why you have uh, these different settings that allow uh, your an, uh, an AI pilot to take over the plane and handle ATC and, and do a, a bunch of these things. It's to kind of relieve uh, the, the different things that you have to do in a plane and make it easier for people to just fly and then slowly learn those processes. It's also pretty clear that the basic missions that we used to have in FSX, which were pretty fun, are not really there in the same sense now. Uh, before you had, I don't know how many missions, probably around 40. And those missions would allow you to play the game and go from a small plane, go into a jet, slowly learn your way up, and eventually also helicopter. And it was this little path to, to reaching, understanding, learning. They had a learning center as well. That, that was all FSX. This time, they know that people can learn. There's already a big community. There's already all the FSX, the P3D, and the X-Plane. And they could not say, we want the new people in at first because then they would lose the main group that would buy the simulator day one so day one they had to convince the real simmers the people that have been flying this for 20 years the people that are spending a lot of money on it then the sin comes out and they need to now start convincing other people because they've already convinced the first group which was us now they're starting to look around and say okay we can have a more general population now look at it. We already have the hardcore simmers who have done videos, who have already done uh, promotion for us in the big community, and it's been talked for a lot in the last year. They look at the second group and they say, okay, we want more people that don't really know how to fly, that are interested in going here, and which could eventually become also hardcore simmers or just casual simmers. And those you bring in with those missions and those missions teach you you have eight of them they go through everything about how to control the simulator and everything but it's not just teaching you how to fly it's also a tutorial for you to understand the sim and its new features it's it's a presentation of the simulator in an interactive method so that's the point it's it's bringing in the people who want to fly and understand the simulator and you have your eight things then there's going to be 
you know, those extra ones, the Xbox people who just absolutely just want an Xbox controller and just take off and just fly and have the visuals. And those are probably going to come a little after. Right now, we're probably not there yet. So if you want to learn, you're probably not going to get that from them right now. They have their hands full with a lot. And I mean a lot of different things to develop and work on. So they really need more time to provide more content. And there's, you know, there's the development of the new features. You have the SDK, you have the current bugs. Uh, and then on top of this, well, they would have to bring extra content. And all of this needs to happen fairly quickly. So if they added, you know, everything, it would take a, a while for them to do it. So I'd expect you to probably look elsewhere than just the simulator if you want to go more in depth. And there's lots of great resources out there. And there's probably going to be tons that are going to be shared around in the Discord here to teach people, you know, all these little systems and things. And the more pay where add-ons also come up, the more you're going to see these things, right? The more you're going to see, oh, well, here's a new plane. This is how, this is my guide to how you should fly this, this payware. Because paywares have the full simulation and they tend to be great in quality, at least some of them, let's say that. So from the technique, you know, that, that Microsoft said, okay, let's make sure that we Jesus. keep the main people with us. You know, that's the thing that they're going through. They're, they're, they're not going to compromise the main ones and they're just going to go forward and slowly grab in outside of the circle of the hardcore simmers and slowly grab people in. It's going to take time. So there's a lot of resources you could probably go up to. Uh, don't expect them to show up in the sim tomorrow. Oh, no, for sure. I completely understand that. It's just, I was trying to find stuff, and The Sim just came out, like, what, two, three days ago? And I could not, I mean, there's probably, like, two articles about it so far, and not that many tutorials, so that's why I said that. You can look in tutorials for FSX, explain P3D, there's going to be tons of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that, because those huh? came out a long time ago. It's just, I was talking about this. Because, you know, essentially, the planes are not going to differ too much. So you're going to have most of the same thing. Now, because there's a lot of VFR that comes with the planes uh, that are that are part of the base game, you're going to see a lot of these little things that you might not find exact tutorials for, but things like the A320, the 747, the Dreamliner, you know, these are you're going to find tutorials online for, just not specifically with Microsoft. Those are going to come up. It's just... It needs to happen. The bugs needs to be fixed. You know, it's just that maturity that the simulator is going to need. It's going to take a little bit of time. I actually have a question. Um, you're competing with people such as um, X-Plane. Well, how do you intend to compete with X-Plane? So what, think, what do you mean? In what manner? Compete, yeah. Um, like in simulation aspect, like I've talked to some pilots, I'm not so impressed with the way the Garmin and that works. Um, honestly, I think it's a pretty good game, but, um, what do you think makes this more of a simulator? Like what's the intent to make an arcade game or to make a simulator? No, not at all. It's, it's the intent is to make a simulator. The point, the point is that they've decided to release it in a state that is usable and playable. But the intention is clear from the development roadmap that they're going to be adding into the simulator over a constant stream of time. Updates, as we said before tonight, we said the world. So that means issues that are 
something is wrong with an airport, if, if enough people are pointing it out, they're going to go in and fix that. They're going to fix bridges. They're going to continue to add Bing data. As Bing brings in more 3D data, they're going to basically it's going to be in the sim. So then it's not going to be something you're going to have to download like you used to in the past. Same thing with the flight model. As they continue to work, they mentioned in their question and answer on Twitch that they had last week that they are aware that the G1000, not everything is operable. And you'll, if you'll notice a lot, you'll go over things and it'll say in op. These are, these are indications that they're aware that this button or this screen or this feature is inoperable at the moment, but those are going to be brought in as well. The way it's going to complete with X-Plane is they've gone ahead and they've taken care of the world. So X-Plane, I think it excluded the poles and except through add-ons and things. So I think what they've tried to do is they've tried to make the best representation of the world that they could over the biggest space with the available data that they have. Right now, at a thousand feet above sea level, nothing can compete. There are add-ons that will have trouble to compete. So if they can get the world down, especially if they can get the world down below a thousand feet, but I think that's coming much later. It's the flight model is the only thing where there's going to be any competition. And as we mentioned before, X-Plane never modeled the air mass. So all of these years with all of these intricate tweaking and adjusting and everything, they never modeled the air mass. They went on about blade, the blade technology, about the plane and all these, all of these things. But it's like a shipbuilder who builds a ship and says, this is the most realistic ship simulation that's available. But one caveat, we never simulated the water. So in this instance, yeah. the comp, yeah, the competition is coming in the, <laughs> the, in the flight model and a lot of simmers who have flown for you know, 10, 15 years who never flew a plane, they're having a hard time because two things are going on. The dynamics need to be tweaked. But some of that tweaking is in an area that is totally unfamiliar to all of us simmers because we've never had this kind of modeling. So part of it is incorrect modeling. But another part of it is it's correct modeling. And these people have never experienced it before. So they're trying to say it's wrong, and to some degree it is wrong, but a very large portion of it is not incorrect. It's sensitivities and things like that that are off, but some of the way that it's going to fly from here on out is never going to feel like it did before this time because that air mass simulation and the way that the weather is in this simulator versus any other one, it's totally different. So the competition is going to be the dynamic and if they can get the dynamic, they're going to stand and point to everybody else and say, now we have the world to this fidelity. Where are you getting it? And now we've caught up to your flight model. Maybe it'll take six months. Maybe it'll take a year. But they've got such a head start on the scenery that they can take that year to tweak that. As long as we give them the time, they can take that time to tweak that model until it gets to the point where they can say, our model is now better than yours. Now, what are you bringing to top our model and to top our graphics? And that's where, where it's going to be beneficial for us because a battle between these two, it only serves to help us because the sim will get better and better and better. So in a way, it's a good thing, but I hope that it answers the question because I think that's where the, that's where the fight is going to be.
Yeah, because another thing I've heard is that I was on a Discord, like this Discord, with a few, with a few two real pilots, I believe, and they were like, um, well, one of them was definitely like, um, this is just Google Earth with planes. What do you think of that statement? That's a oversimplification. I hope that because yes, uh, conversely, we've got pilots that, yeah, we've got some pilots that have flown the Cessna and are like it's spot on. It's not done though. There's again the the G1000. It it's got implementation that needs to be in there. It's clear that you know you can pressing buttons that don't do anything and, and things like that. But I think they started with the GA aircraft. A, it's it's more simple. And B, the new influx of people are coming because of the way that it looks. So it's this VFR anywhere in the world is reasonably possible. That's what they said for offline mode. VFR is possible all around the world in the highest fidelity that they can provide. So I think this is the new part of the simulator. We've never had that before. That's why airliners have been so popular. It's not just, you know, seven-year-olds. Oh, I'm going to pretend I'm flying 400 people across an ocean. It was because you couldn't use the GA aircraft unless you really had a great imagination. And you're basically role-playing every single time you flew a GA aircraft because the ground didn't look anything... You couldn't recognize, you couldn't look out the window and say, oh, that's Key West because that's the shape. Or that's Cuba because it kind of, it, it wasn't, oh, maybe that's a little bit too, that's a bit too macro. But when you got a little bit lower, like with islands and, and coastlines, you couldn't recognize them. You didn't know where you were. So a lot of people just gave up. They flew airliners. They, you know, slapped on the autopilot and they just flew from New York to London at 39,000 feet in the plane, basically. And they enjoyed the sim in that manner. They got into the systems and, and and the complexities there and whatever was rendered in the past, it was enough for them. But GA was a mess. So now it's the big, I think that's what's drawing the attention. It's not drawing the attention because people are like, wow, you can fly a 747. You've been able to fly a 747 for 20 years. Whether it was realistic or not is a, is a, a different question, but it's not something new. So what is new about this that's capturing everybody's attention is how close some parts of the world are literally exactly what they look like from 5,000 feet. You're looking down. As I said, my area, I could recognize in sharp detail grocery stores, convenience stores, churches, doctor's office, specific skyscrapers along the ocean. I'm like, oh, that's Aquafina. That's the, the diplomat and on and on and on. I just, I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Now, when you go up to them, 50 feet away, 100 feet above them, that's where the texturing breaks down because the data is not really meant to be that precise. So yeah, when you're going by a building very close, that's where there's room for improvement. But to say that it's it's like, I don't know, Google Earth with, with planes, that's somebody that's probably faithful to X-Plane that's not thrilled Microsoft has come back into the marketplace. There's a lot of people that didn't want them back. Some people didn't like the way they left. Some people don't like the competition. Some people have invested thousands and thousands of dollars, you know? So it's... 
Well, it could yeah, be you that. mentioned a thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, sorry, flying cookie. No, you, no worries. No worries. Okay. Uh, um, I, mentioning that is um, there's add-ons as well. Like the add-on market is obviously one of the reasons why people spend those money. What I would like to know is with because we're missing helicopters we're missing the hot air balloon going mark five um in the air we're missing um even the atc services on the ground where you could emulate an empty atc service would those ever be coming back or are they left in the past well, they've already mentioned helicopters i think helicopters are coming i think within 60 days there will be a default helicopter then you're Jörg Newman mentioned that uh, in the Twitch yep. stream that they may have a mega pack of them. Am I right, Cookie? Yeah, trying to remember. Yeah, uh, I think he said that one would be in the game by default, and then they would sell a, a pack of them as well. But uh, All right. well, I mean, same with military aircraft, I assume. Well, okay, uh, oh, so somebody's going to add on. There's going to be add-ons for sure. Trust me, people are going to make those. So. There's some stuff happening in the background. Don't worry. Um, I won't say more on it. Um, but overall, I suggest for your for your your pilot friends to look at uh, the feature discovery series because that really explains all of it, and there's a lot more details than we than we see at first. Right, just watching the video two times gives you a lot of information that you missed the first time. Uh, and episode three, for example, talks about all the aerodynamics uh, with uh, Sebastian Locke. So <clears throat> there. There's a really good explanation of how they used, you know, the basic FSX core, they rewrote it, and they created the new aerodynamic simulations, the integration systems, the aircraft systems, and the worldwide air mass simulation. So there's all these things that are explained in there that I would hope would educate people about what's really behind. Because when you look at something in a simulator, you don't see all of that math being processed in the background. You don't really know what's happening. And... I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't know, for example, in X-Plane, the, the realism of the flight model if it wasn't marketed, right? So it's, it's just a matter of how can you communicate to the people what's actually happening in the background because we'll never see it. We'll never know it. Unless you're an experienced pilot and you know how your plane is supposed to feel. Or if you're a glider pilot, then you would know about your updrafts and where to fly. And therefore, you'd be able to experience it in the simulator and say, oh, well, look, that's real and that's not, or this is off, or, or something's wrong. You'd be able to identify if you're a true pilot about some of the aspects. Other well, people will what, never know. Right. That's what they said in the Twitch. They said, you know, we're getting actual pilots, and, and they're using it, and they're like, oh, this is, this is wrong. This, this behavior is completely off, or, oh, yeah, you've got the, you've got the ground handling spot on. So I think they're, then they have access to some test pilots as well. I think Icon provided them. Well, every, pilot. every plane was tested by, by a few pilots. So the, it was a, a really close collaboration between uh, Asobo and the different plane manufacturers. So but that part was fully tested, yeah. yeah. It's like a matter of getting, again, they've never simulated the air mass, so I'm sure this is giving them some... Because they can't really... They can only turn to pilots on that. They can't turn to any of us as, you know, 10, 12, 15-year simmers they can't because we don't know we could we could say that we know not realizing that they never simulated it but they can't really take our input as saying you know this feels wrong because it does x y and z when you you know you're above a mountain 
we haven't had an accurate depiction of that. So the problem that they'll have or the thing that will take time is they can't point to anybody other than pilots and the pilots can give the feedback and then they've got to manipulate the dynamics based on what the pilots have said. But I would imagine there's a limited number. Obviously there's a limited number of them compared to testers. We all had accurate sim experience you know, 50,000 people could say, oh, it should do this and it should do that and it should do this, but it doesn't. Or this effect is too strong and that one is too weak or, you know, the turbulence is not realistic or but unfortunately, you don't really have that. So I think that's why it's going to take time. Just as I keep saying, I wanted to say to somebody before, take the word Microsoft off of the flight simulator and put the name Asobo. Sobo flight simulator. The reaction that people would have and the expectation that they would have is utterly different because the name Microsoft is on it. They're looking at all of the other iterations, but this one is nothing like them except for the base bones that they constructed it on. So if you're looking at it that way, if you took Microsoft off and just said it's a Sobo, they say, oh, well, you know, they're going to need time to get the dynamics right because X planes had, you know, 20 years to perfect their dynamic model. Then people would turn around now and say, well, Microsoft's had 38 years to perfect their model. This is nothing like that model. It's it's like starting from scratch on the flight model because FSX and all the precedents, they never had half of what is being, you know, worked with now. So that that part does Microsoft a little bit of disservice because their history is there. So the expectation is like, oh, that, that flight model should be better. When X-Plane first came out, the flight model was a disaster. In every aspect, it was a disaster. But it was an improvement on what we had seen with other iterations of, of Microsoft Flight Simulator. So now comparing them, it's going to take time for this entire new model to try to become as accurate. I would say in two or three years, after God knows how many updates, you're going to have basically what happened with FSX and what happened with Explain is that they get pretty settled and the tweaks become smaller and smaller and smaller as the mass becomes more stable and more effective. And then as technology changes, it's a whole new data set. Now everything's got to be tested and tried again. Oh, it's very buggy. It doesn't react right. It's because as the technology changes, the experience is not there. The only way you can get it is to actually physically deal with it. So I think if we look at it that way, it's not unexpected that there will be some people that will find the flight model strange because I think that's why the technology is completely different. So no one can point to anybody except pilots and say, that person knows. There's nobody at P3D. There's nobody at, at X-Plane. There's nobody at Asobo except for the pilots. No, is that Robin flying the way it should be flying? So that's my take on it. Yeah, uh, I think as well, the name Microsoft, it gets people a little scared for their flight sim because everyone knows yeah. how Microsoft games have changed lately. They're like, I'm worried it's going to be a loot box. I'm worried it's going to be a subscription service. I'm worried it's, it's going to be a games for a service as Ubisoft has been trying to do for years. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, just one thing I'd like to point out is 
yes, Microsoft has been doing this for a long time. They kind of did take a break between FSX and now. Uh, and, well, they had the contract with Dovetail Games to, to kind of do some of the work for them. And and kind of let them see, okay, this is what you can do. And, uh, and kind of take over the, the FSX project. So, I mean, yeah, it's... It's it's been a bit of a of a of a challenge for Microsoft, but luckily they've kept the the core IPs with them, and they waited enough time not for things to settle, but for them to take a step back and kind of look what happened, what went wrong in the last you know so many years, and um, I think it was last week uh, there was this beautiful article that we talked about. Which kind of went back to the beginnings of of the simulator, and they were mentioning a lot about how in the halls there's been a lot of talks about, you know, oh maybe we could redo simulator again. Uh, there's always been that little thought that's been in the background because you guys don't, you guys probably don't know this, but the simulator is the oldest thing that Microsoft has. Even Windows or Microsoft Office is newer, so. This thing being so old and strong, it's always been in the back of their heads, or at least a few key people. And at some point it said, you know what, we have all this tech, let's use it. Let's throw it in there. We'll use it for the Xbox. We'll, we'll have a lot of different ways we can use it. Let's bring it out. And let's take our time. Because they announced it a year before release, but they worked on it for a long time before. And they allowed the developers to look over it give us something, tell us what you think of it, have uh, a test build, which they did. They actually tried with VR. They had a lot of fun with it, um, and it worked well with the Sobo's internal engine. So it went nicely. It went softly. It was, okay, this works. You know what? Can we try something? And then slowly it, it ramped up and said, you know what? We can actually have a simulator. And they tried it with Seattle. You know, They saw, okay, we have this technology that we can use to create the, the scenery. We have... We can easily make planes. We have a grid engine with a Sobo. These guys have experience. This experience from a Sobo with big worlds and procedural generation has been very used in this new simulator, and they saw that before, so they were able to uh, to work it out. So that was something that was great, and they have all these little things that led to them being able to work on it all together and say, okay, we're going to do this properly and we're not going to mess it up. And I think they've kind of did a good job at that. They were able to do a simulator that so far is able to be competing above the other simulators, hyping a lot of people and at least getting a lot of attention out of it. So wait to see what happens within the next year because I would love to see, you know, what happens what they decide to go with the features that they're going to release there's going to be a lot of great stuff so i think overall they have a product that could work really well they made sure it was not a product that would be rushed and we saw that they worked really hard to make sure it was at least something that would work well before they released it yes there were hiccups with the installs and the downloads but these always happen and overall, heck, we're getting a new simulator. It's amazing. Let's hope now that we have another company that comes out and says, you know what, I think 
the market is now big enough for me to jump in it. Let's have competition. Yep. I'll show you what I have. And boom. And that yep. would be It'll amazing. push it. Yeah. Yep. It's going to push it. And and even even now, what they've given us now, with the massive community that kept Flight Simulator alive, because look at all the years it got kind of lean where the only news was really just add-ons. There was no real news. There was... You know, the Vulcan news was was good news for X-Plane because it was something that could help some of the performance issues that people were suffering through. And, you know, they, they were, there were updates to the flight model all the time, but really the, there was nothing on the horizon that was forcing any of these remaining simulators to really have to look over their shoulder and think, oh, my God, this we have to address this. And I, I'm sure they will. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll partner with somebody that can can deal with the scenery and kind of become competitive in that way because X-Plane still has their flight model. Maybe they will decide, you know what, we're going to add the air mass simulation. And then the only thing they have to work on is the scenery. And Microsoft will be, you know, trying to perfect their flight model to keep competitive. But the competition is going to be great. And the competition in the DLC is going to be great. Because no one's going to be able to get away with making a substandard add-on. Because our expectation, you can't make an add-on that's not as good as what the default is. Nobody says, oh, let me buy a simulator vanilla, and I'm going to make add-ons that are just you know, below. So that, that part's a really good, really good sign. That the starting, the bar that they've set is already pretty high. So I'm hopeful that because of the development roadmap, the feedback, the wish list, the fact the NDA is not going to be lifted, that alpha and beta testers are still going to be used going forward, test out new features and changes. That just shows they're committed to the development beyond just, we'll take 30 days, we'll get as much money as we can, we'll leave the marketplace to the DLC people, the developers, they can charge whatever they want. And quite frankly, we don't care what the standard is. And you know, we're off on a boat spending our money. And clearly, you can see it's not the case. So I think let's see what September brings us. Just one month after release, I think that world update is going to tell us a lot about what levels of detail they're getting into to make things better. If they do a lot of good in that update, it'll be promising. If they don't do much, then you might say, Oof. if that's all they're going to do in a, in a monthly update, we're going to need you know, 25 months to get there. I don't think that they're going to do this because you know, they're trying to incorporate all of this, these, new, these new people into the hobby. Obviously, you want to make money. So they want to show off that's the other thing we really haven't talked about tonight. We're talking about the sim, but in the end, the sim has returned because of a kind of technology and whatever its uses and sellability and its commercialization. That's what it's really behind. They wanted to show off what Azure could do and some of the other tech that they're using. And Flight Simulator turned out to be one of the best ways to display it. And I think somebody basically said, you know, why don't you bring it back? Then the way that they left, like, well, if we're going to bring it back, we have to bring it back to positive support. 
and, and, and positive. We have to reverse course on the way that we just kind of morphed out of Flight Simulator and moved into the Xbox world of just games. So, so far, it seems like that's their intention, but we're going to have to give them time to, you know, make that stable, stable, perfected flight model. But I think the, the scenery is just going to get better and better. Bing's going to provide more data. Add-ons are going to come that are going to be equitable or superior to what we already have. They're not going to be regressive. So, but just like those other Sims when they first came out, they needed time to get where they are. And the name Microsoft, in that aspect, it hampers a little bit because they have such a long history, whereas X-Plane didn't. X-Plane was new. But people were willing to give it time because they said, well, it's new. You can't compete with them. They've been around for 30 years or how many ever it was back then, 20 years. So now we're going to have to do the same. So I feel pretty positive. We'll see next month. If, that, if, that, if the update is minuscule or useless or pointless, then we're all going to come together and maybe have a few concerns. I just don't think they've come after four years. And all of the work and effort and the complexities that they've added that, quite frankly, they didn't have to add half of what's in there. They could have said, ah, third party's going to take care of that. That's, just put the weather in, but just put it in enough. You know, make the ground, make the, the detail okay, but you know, let them add, add airport complexity and let them, you know, develop, you know, parts of cities and things like that. We're just going to get this out. But they didn't do that. They went way overboard. The live traffic and the weather, all the live weather all over the world, and and the complexities of the air mass simulation and all of these things that they didn't necessarily have to add because the competition didn't have it. Only add-ons provided it, but a vanilla simulator didn't have it. So it seems like, based on that behavior, there's a kind of commitment to try to really make this as good as they possibly can, and yes, at some point, eventually catch up and surpass. In the areas that they might be deficient. Keep your strong points up. And make sure that you don't fall from your weaknesses. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. So I think I think so far, now is just the sim has finally released. We had our first peek at it. Now, this is more for the long term. What can we expect in the next few yeah. years? And. Uh, that's going to be also very interesting to watch and uh, witness at the same time. This is the end of our podcast. So uh, thank you everyone for being here and uh, supporting us, asking questions, participating. It's uh, amazing to, uh, to be all of us participating all together uh, in this great community. To those who don't know, we do this every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Though we record the podcast, which is available on every major platform. This concludes our podcast. Thank you all for uh, showing up today. It really was a great time. Thank you very much. That's great you. again. This was great. Thank you. Bye-bye, guys. Thank hey. you guys for coming.